aggression. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Ruthless recap, episode eight. We've been gone for a minute. Uh, life's uh, been picking up steam. Uh, and we'll get these episodes out when we can. So probably uh, Spotify sooner than YouTube coming from the editor. Yeah. So uh, everyone just keep your eyes and ears open about that. Uh, and speaking of editor and other people on this podcast, I am joined by the Marty Janetti to my Shawn Michaels, Damon. We Let's talk about that. Um, Dean, oh. did you see that? Oh yeah. Yeah, I did. I'm pretty everyone, sure I sent Dean that. Everyone not in the loop. Marty Jannetty, uh, he admitted that he fucking killed somebody. And not only one person, he probably killed others. Yeah, he did say that it was the first time he made someone disappear. So Marty Jannetty might be a fucking serial killer. Speaking of killers, we'll have more on that throughout Raw. Uh, yeah. And speaking of Dean, he is the Iceman, Dean Malenko. Dean, how you doing? Ah, oh, that was perfect. I love that one. That was the best one you've done so far. Thank you. Are we dropping the tag team bit because of the whole Marty Jannetty thing now? Um, no, but I felt like this was the most appropriate time to do the Marty and Sean one. That's, yeah, uh, you're not. It's it's not gonna be. It's not gonna be as prime of a, a of a reference any other time. But now, yeah, until he gets convicted, if he does. Yeah, unfortunately for him, there's uh, no statute of limitations on murder, so... You hate to see it, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor Marty. Oh, sarcasm for... I just can't... Honestly, this is the stupid thing. It's like, dude, you did it to yourself. You didn't have to admit it. No one asked. Literally no one asked if he fucking murdered somebody. But he's No like, one even had any inkling. Like, no it, one was even curious. It's one of those memes of, like, no one says nothing, and then Marty Jannetty, I killed a man once. <laughs> Like, what the fuck, dude? If we can oh, talk Marty. about Marty's shenanigans for a minute prior to Raw, I yeah. like that. I like the time he posted a picture of him coked up with coke all over himself on Facebook. <laughs> and the time he wanted to fuck his daughter that wasn't his daughter. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was like, hey, guys, I found out that the, the girl I raised for the last 15 years isn't actually my daughter, so can I fuck her now? Mm. Okay, you know, I, I got to say, even if you find out she's not your daughter, I find it weird to like, just because you learn she isn't. So I don't know. That's weird to me. That means that he wanted to fuck her previous. That's the thing. Like, I'm There's just no like, way that was a new. Yeah. Development. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. No matter what way you cut it, that man's a freak and a murderer. And an no, addict. we don't know if he allegedly. Yeah, like allegedly Stone Cold beat Deborah. And allegedly, Velveteen dreams. Of, we're gonna move on to Raw. August 26th, 2002, Madison Square Garden. Uh, can we all agree that it's the best wrestling venue of all time? Yes, but it wasn't set up how it should have been. That's true. It was not set up the way it should have been. Uh, they should have used the hard cam entrance. Uh, if you're an MSG and you don't use it, you're a hoe. Just saying. Yeah, honestly, it kind of made it feel like it was just another arena. Yeah, I don't like that. You can't do that in MSG. I honestly forgot we were at MSG besides like what it was talked about every now and then. And then when I saw that fucking hallway, that is like the entranceway for the hard cam entrance. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we get a shot of, uh, I'm sorry, this is the night right after SummerSlam, obviously, Monday right after that SummerSlam Sunday. We get a uh, shot of WWE World, which I looked it up. It's literally less than a mile from MSG. Uh, so that kind of sucks for all those people stuck at WWE World. Oh, yeah. All the traffic, man. All the traffic. Oof, that's true. Uh, Eric Bischoff, he's coming out to a lot of booze. Uh, he welcomes everybody to Eric Bischoff's Monday Night Raw. Uh, and he promises a very historic evening. He's got a bunch of announcements here. He announces that the hardcore champion, Tommy Dreamer, will face the new Intercontinental Champion, RVD, in a unification match because we're getting rid of any mid-card title that's not the IC title, I guess. Yeah. How do you guys feel about that? Like, how do you feel about, like, them getting rid of their tertiary titles during this period of time? Uh, I get it, really. Because, I mean, at that point, you're taking your entire mid-card and splitting them into three divisions. Yeah. See, there's that, but, like, I like the idea of there being a single mid-card title per brand. So, like, hardcore title, fuck it, get rid of it. But, like, you, or, I'm sorry, European title, no, we, that should have been kept until there was the U.S. title. Yeah, they could have moved that to SmackDown. Yeah. That is true, that is true. Though, it is also kind of that weird thing of, like, the Intercontinental title, when it was first created, was technically the Western Hemisphere title. And I don't mean like that's what it was called. I mean like it was like a fake tournament that was one that was a combination. Oh, like yeah. oh, oh, I unified the North American and the South American title. Hell so yeah. it's to me, it's always kind of that weird thing of like you have the in modern day you have the Intercontinental title, then you have the North American title, and you have the U.S. title. And I'm like, you guys are all just like subdivisions of the same general area, right? Wasn't I thought the Intercontinental title was like between continents which kind of doesn't that just make it a world title well, only the it... western hemisphere cool uh, <laughs> okay some more eric bischoff announcements he says that tonight he's going to honor a wwe hall of famer with a lifetime achievement award uh which uh i'm just gonna say uh, i thought was gonna mean uh more fink which we do get more fink but uh in a different context sadly yeah. Uh, Bischoff then introduces the new WWE Undisputed Champion, Brock Lesnar. Uh, Lesnar and Heyman come out to a pretty mixed reaction, but mostly booze. Uh, and even though Brock was exclusively signed to SmackDown, the Undisputed Champion uh, is appearing on both shows. Heyman comes out to the ring. He starts to cut a promo. Uh, he says that he and Brock stand on sacred ground. And before he can continue, he gets interrupted by uh, loud Rocky chants. Where the fuck were those at SummerSlam? Oh, yeah. MSG loved them, but not a, what was it, Nassau Coliseum? Yeah, they were, that was, uh, or they no, were some sports something. They were in Chicago, right? Or where were they? Or Philly? Were no, they Philly? Was, no, it was uh, Uniondale, New York. Oh, damn, really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess it, it's right after SummerSlam, so that makes sense. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, Heyman interjects, and he says they're on the sacred grounds of Madison Square Garden, MSG. Uh, Heyman says that you can take Bruno San Martino, superstar Billy Graham, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, combine them, and they still would not equal one Brock Lesnar. Uh, Heyman says the best part is that he told all of us, but no one would listen. Uh, he told us that Brock was the next big thing, but no one listened. He told us that Brock Lesnar would win King of the Ring, no one listened. He told us Brock would end Hulkamania, no one listened. He told us that Brock would beat Rock for the undisputed title, and no one listened. Uh, Heyman says that by now, 
people should learn to listen to Paul Heyman. Uh, Brock takes the mic. He says that people should listen to this, though. He's only 25, making him the youngest WWE Undisputed Champion of all time, and he says that about four or five times into the mic in the span of 20 seconds. He was very pumped about Do you guys have any idea who was the youngest champion before Brock? I think we looked into that. I can't remember who it was, though. Here, let's just get together and, like, guess who it is. Before um, Brock, who would have been Rock? Maybe, maybe it was The Rock. That's the only person coming because I know it. I know for damn sure it wasn't like it. Probably wasn't anybody in the eighties. I imagine like no. We, we had to be. We have to be somewhere in the Attitude Era by the time. Here, let me look up youngest WWE champs. Now I'm curious. I never even thought of that. Yeah. Yeah, but I jumped straight to the eighties and nineties. Well, more so the eighties because I thought like Hulk Hogan or Yokozuna. I was like, I know that ain't right. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, maybe actually wait. Maybe Yoko. I think really? he was in his twenties when he won it. Oh, okay, really? Okay. okay. I would not have guessed that. Me neither. All right, I'm on the I'm on the WWE Wikipedia page for the title. Wow. Okay. Well. Fuck. Okay. There's a lot of people. Um. Okay. Hold on. I'm gonna click on Yoko and see how old he was. He would have been. Uh, 27. So that's nope. something to keep in mind. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Rock would have been 26. How old would Big Show have been? This is the gripping. He would have been oh, yeah. That is true. He won. He won the world. He won a world title in his first match. Well, no, I'm talking WWE title. Oh, okay. He would have been 27. So it seems like it would have been um, Rock, right? He was 26. Well, Yokozuna, then Rock, then Lesnar. Okay. Uh, actually, Undertaker. Re- really? It says here Undertaker was 25 in 1990. Well, he won it in 91. Oh, shit. Hang on. Oh, 26. I'm sorry. He debuted at 25, won it at 26. Sorry. Huh. It's all good. Yeah. So, so it's sounding like Yoko, then Rock, then Brock, then Orton. Yeah, I'm on Takers sports in there. Yeah, I'm on Sportster right now, just because. But it's one of those. It's one of those annoying websites where you want to get the list, but then it like keeps going back and forth between the youngest and the oldest, and like you click yeah, you on the next, it. you click next, and then it takes forever to load because there are a million ads. I get that. I know. I already know who the oldest WWE champ was. That was Vince McMahon because he's a fucking mark. Anyway. You guys like that? You like that hot take? Oh, yeah. shit, man. I think it might have actually been Ric Flair and Bob Backlund, though. I don't think it was. Okay, Rock is Rock is the next youngest, though. Okay. But only by a hair. Like, he was barely older than The Undertaker. Mm. Okay, but sorry, yeah. Uh, Brock says that just like Undertaker, no one can beat him. Uh, then Shawn Michaels' music hits to a pretty decent pop. Uh, only it's not HBK, rather it's HHH. Triple H comes out uh, and he's doing Shawn Michaels' signature pose. He's got this huge uh, bandage over his head covering that cut from SummerSlam. Uh, Triple H tells Kevin Dunn to cut the music. He said, you know, he usually says, keep my music playing, Mr. Dunn. But this time he told him to cut it. Uh, Triple H is getting mostly booze. That's good. Yeah. Uh, he tells the crowd that that's the last time they'll ever hear that Shawn Michaels crap again. Uh, Triple H says at SummerSlam he crippled Shawn Michaels. Uh, and he says that Shawn didn't even belong in the same ring as him and he'll never get in the ring again. 
uh, he even goes as far to say that Sean will most likely never walk again. Um, we're obviously getting HBK chance. Uh, then Hunter says that Brock is just a boy, and I was like, really? They're only eight years apart. Yeah. Triple H was 33 at the time. Man, it's kind of weird. It's kind of, I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of surreal going back this far and seeing Triple H at this age just because, like, knowing now he's in his 50s, it's just, it's weird to he's think. He's an old-ass man. Yeah. Uh, he says that Brock is just a boy, yet he is still the undisputed champion. He says that Brock wouldn't be champion if it wasn't for him. After all, he did injure the Rock's ribs on the go-home episode of Raw. Uh, Hunter reminds Brock that last week he said he'd be waiting for Brock, so here he is. Hunter says that Brock owes him a shot for the title. Triple H says he knows one thing. Is Brock man enough to play the game? And they get nose to nose, and then dead man's walk, and Undertaker's music hits, but no bike. Uh, and he picks up the mic that Triple H dropped when they got uh, nose to nose there. And he says that Triple H has it all wrong. He says that he gets the first crack at the young blood. Uh, Taker calls himself the number one contender. And he wants to know if Brock is really the next big thing or the next big bitch. Yes, he said it. He yeah. Said it. He said the crowd, bitch. The crowd pops every single oh, time someone yeah. says bitch. Dude, like, I wrote here, the... I was like, big popper. They love it when he said next big bitch. God bless. So um, I'll go for how it. do you go guys feel about the fact that Triple H is in contention for the title right now? Okay, so I kind of had the same thing typed about both Taker and Triple H. Neither of them really, I don't think. I mean, I, I guess Taker was one of the last WWE champs at this time. And he at lost least to The Rock. At, and at least he won his match. Yeah, Triple but he H won, Triple H lost. Yes, but Triple H lost at SummerSlam. That's my, thing. I, That's my big thing. I also had that. I said, who do either of them really think they are? Yeah, Taker like had a mid card match against Test, and then Triple H lost his match to a dude that hasn't wrestled in four years. Yeah, I mean, mind you, if you ask me who who should be number one contender logically, I really wouldn't have an answer. Oh, same, I got no clue. I think it's still Rock, and he's gone. Yeah, yeah like, that's the thing. Like Rock's the only person who really would logically be in contention. Yeah, I agree with everything y'all are saying. But to play devil's advocate, which we already did a bit, like yeah, who would? be the next logical contender and Triple H did stake his claim a week or two prior which doesn't mean he earns it but like it's not like somebody else was like gunning for Lester and then Triple H was like oh but I get it I mean who really has been like on Raw notably getting up getting a lot of wins lately uh, well it doesn't have to be from Raw I was true thinking, true true well I guess I only say Raw because like the way the show was set up, they were going with somebody from Raw. But then again, right. I guess also that, but you raise a fair point because then if you say it's not just Raw, then actually who on SmackDown would it be? I, I have two picks, one from Raw and one from SmackDown. I think that would probably be in higher contention than either Triple H or Taker. Mm -hmm. uh, from SmackDown, I'd say Kurt Angle. Yeah, that's probably. Ray. The, yeah. Um, and then from Raw, I'd say RVD. Yeah. Yeah, and the only reason the I, title. and that's the only thing though, because like I was gonna say Rob Van Dam, but I wanted to keep him away from the world. I would have hypothetically wanted to keep him away from the world title, at least for the time being. But honestly, he's like the only person on the show I can think of who's been like getting like notable wins consistently, like the yeah. last while. I mean, like Undertaker's technically been winning, but it's like kind of a like who cares matches. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm going to say Benoit only because I wish that match had happened at some point. And if it has, don't correct me. I want to see it. I legit don't know if Brock versus Benoit ever happened. It had I think to the, have. I think the closest we ever get might be like Survivor Series. I'll take that. Y'all, yeah, the team angle versus team Lesnar. Yeah, but maybe there was another example, but that's the one that's coming to mind. Yeah. Well, anyway, Triple H attacks taken from behind. And uh, both Brock and Triple H are beating the take dog down. Uh, we get some kicks and punches on the corner by Brock and Hunter, respectively. Uh, Brock and Triple H end up locking eyes, which allows Taker to just hoof Triple H into the corner. Then uh, Brock uh, gets Triple H into that corner some more. Uh, oh, no. Oh, see, I was confused by the way I typed this, actually. Now I remember Brock was thrown into Triple H that was also in the corner. Both of them were in the corner at that point. Uh, and Taker was uh, reigning supreme. He's the big dog, you know, like Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's his close- yard, man. It is his yard now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, clothesline to Brock and the suit bones to Triple H. Some suit bones to Brock. Clothesline to Triple H. Clothesline to Brock. Uh, Triple H clothesline over the top rope. Uh, we get a slap to Brock's face in a big boot over the top rope, and Brock crashes to the outside. Uh, Taker and Triple H stare each other down, and Triple H leaves the ring on his own volition to huge booze. He refuses to fight Taker any further. I, still, I mean, I know I'm harping on this too much, but I'm still, I don't know, it bugged me because I still look at this situation. And I'm just like, okay, guys, like I get in a, in a level, like, oh, these are like our top guys sense why this is happening. But like, I watch it and it just feels like people are just kind of walking out and it's like, well, we're in this slot. So it's time for us to walk out and fight now. I don't know. It still bugs me. Hold on real quick. We got to get off this topic, but, um, Another person I think that'd be in more contention than Triple H or Undertaker, Edge. Yeah. Actually, yeah, that is true. Edge, Edge has been winning a lot of matches. He has that actually. Damn, and Edge isn't even in like the. Well, uh, we'll get to, we'll get we'll get yeah, to we'll get down. We'll get SmackDown. Uh, we cut to commercial and Eric Bischoff standing behind commentary. Uh, he says that tonight we're going to find out who the true number one contender is, because if you couldn't figure it the hell out, Undertaker's taking on Triple H in the main event. And then Goldust and Booker T are out. Goldust finally uh, does not have a fucked up suit on. And we get Booker T versus Christian. And I really didn't want this feud to continue. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, it's such a nothing feud. It's like, Uh, you know, oh, go ahead. Sorry. uh, You're good. It's just like, okay, they challenged for the tag titles because they even asked for it and then won a qualifying match. But now it should be done. I think the only reason this is continuing is just because of how bad the tag team division is right now. And I don't yeah. mean bad in like the fact that the tag teams are bad, but like I don't think they have like enough tag teams for them to all be on different shows. Let's see, we got Un Americans, Book Dust, uh Three Minute Warning, who still haven't even had a match yet. Benoit Guerrero. Billy and Chuck. What's that? Benoit Guerrero, kinda. Kind of. Guerrero, kind of. Los Guerreros, kind of. Um, I had one. That's it. Uh, Hurricane Shannon Moore. Yeah. I think that's it. I think it. that's about it. Yeah, that's still and it is, it, And the, the issue is compounded by the fact that not all of them are even on the same show either. Oh, well, I guess technically we'll find out the Dudleys and Nowinski and Regal. Oh, okay. I, I'm not even going to lie. I keep forgetting about Nowinski and Regal being a thing. Yeah, I wish I could too. Uh, <laughs> Christian goes to rush Booker, but Booker do- uh, does a double leg takedown to the mat, gets some mounted punches. Uh, whip off the rope, Christian ducks a clothesline, but Booker hits that flying forearm. 
uh, Lance Storm jumps up on the apron to distract Booker. Uh, then he just immediately gets down. Uh, the distraction does not work as Booker kicks Christian's gut and he goes for the scissor kick very quickly into the match. But Christian pulls his head up in time. Uh, reverse a DDT into a backbreaker by Christian. Really like that move for only a one count. Uh, clubs to Booker T's back and kicks to the gut by Christian in the corner. Uh, we get choke in the corner. Booker starts firing back with punches, but Christian cuts him off with a knee to the gut. Uh, Snapmare and Chinlock. And, yeah, you know, it's an un-Americans match, so we got to get those loud USA chants. Mm-hmm. Uh, Booker starts powering out with elbows. Off the ropes, Booker ducks a clothesline, but eats a kitchen sink for a two-count. Choke to Booker on the mat. Uh, boot to the face twice. Boot to the face twice and a choke in the corner. Uh, Booker starts to turn the tables and gets Christian in the corner for a backhand and overhand-style chops. Uh, two clotheslines to Christian out of the corner and a spinning crescent kick. We get a chop by Booker. His Irish whip is reversed, but Booker does an up and over and botches the roll-up for a two-count. And then uh, Christian said, I want to fuck up a pin as well, so we get a really <laughs> shitty-looking jackknife cover uh, with his feet on the ropes for a two when Goldust you know, shoves the feet off the ropes. Hey, they can look on the bright side. Somebody on SmackDown will do an even worse job than them at pinning someone. Yeah. Don't tell me who, but I completely forgot. We'll get there, I guess. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> um, Christian starts screaming at Goldust. Uh, then he turns around right into a crescent kick. Booker gets that mad look in his eyes, and he's going for that spin a uh, But Storm gets into clothesline Booker, but Booker moves and Storm runs into a punch by Goldust. Goldust got in that ring. Uh, another punch and a clothesline by Goldust sends both uh, Goldust and Storm over the top rope. Christian goes for the unprettier, but he gets shoved off into the ropes. Uh, into the gut kick and the scissor kick for the win. What'd you guys think of this match? So let me ask you guys a question. So I, how do you feel about Christian's finishing move? The unprettier? Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Okay. I'll just leave that alone then. No, no, no how do you feel about it? It's yeah, just Dean. whenever he doesn't hit it, it looks terrible. Yeah, it kind of makes it convoluted or like ridiculous that it's something that he would keep doing because half the time he gets pushed off. Yeah, like when he does it and he gets it right and he hits it, it looks great because it looks like he's just driving the person's face right into the mat, like in a completely uncontrolled way. But like when he doesn't hit it, it looks like the person has like this giant chance to just casually be like, oh, I'm going to just bump you with my back very easily. It when he it just also I just think it, it like sometimes it takes too long, basically. It, it doesn't take too long. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the match overall, though, I I mean, I don't know. I feel like I've seen Booker T and Christian in matches together like too many times at this point. Yeah. Yeah, this was definitely a case of enough is enough. Let's find one of the other seven tag teams and start a rivalry with the Un-Americans with them. Yeah. I did not like this match. Yeah, it's uh, – it, it like the fact that it's happened so many times doesn't help, but honestly, even then, I don't think it was anything special. No. Uh, Storm at the very end, he comes in uh, too little, too late with the steel chair. Uh, after this, we get a video package that was filmed earlier in the day at Wall Street in New York City. Uh, many wrestlers, uh, mainly Kurt Angle, Edge, Mark Henry, Stacy Keebler, Bradshaw, who would actually get to know Wall Street very well in just a few years' time, uh, and even The Rock are there to take part in the SmackDown Your Vote tour. Uh, did you guys notice uh, there was a little cameo in there? 
No. Linda McMahon. Oh, okay. oh okay. Yeah, I did actually. I just didn't write it down, but yeah, I noticed her. So basically, this whole thing is just trying to get people to register to vote. Uh, we get a large gathering of fans on Wall Street uh, there to see, you know, the WWE stars talk about how cool it is to vote. Uh, George Pataki, I, I don't know if I'm saying that right, uh, Pataki Pataki, uh, the governor of New York at the time, says that what WWE uh, is doing to try to get younger people and uh, people of many different demographics to vote is very important. And I wrote that like a true politician, he used a lot of words to pretty much say nothing. Yep. He's, he he could have just said, voting's good. And like, it would have been the same thing. Uh, but they got paid. Oh, hell yeah, man. <laughs> uh, we get a match graphic for Howard Finkel versus Lillian Garcia in a tuxedo slash evening gown match. Why the fuck is this happening in Madison Square Garden? the night after your second biggest show. Well, you know, this this feud's been so long running and it's just gotten to such a heated point. They felt like the only way to blow it off was in one of the most violent matches they could think of. I got an idea. I think uh, I should, because, uh, you know, I, I'm starting college up soon. That's part of the reason why we don't know when these fucking episodes are going to get out. And I'm taking a second video class. I want to take the build to Fink and Garcia and put it to like the My Way Mania 17 music video. <laughs> you think you're special? Hell yeah, man. That'd be awesome. And then, like, when they're big dicking each other, then like Fink can be shoving Lillian. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, we cut to commercial, and Christian is throwing a tantrum in front of Lance Storm, saying that he got ripped off in that previous match. Uh, Storm says that Christian just needs to calm down since they still have the WWE tag team titles. Test walks in with a uh, rolled up American flag. It's like rolled up around the pole. And he's like, Christian, you got to chill out. Uh, Test admires that rolled up flag and says he's got something big planned that's going to have people talking about the un-Americans for years to come. What could it be? I don't know. Next matchup, the Dudleys of Bubba and Spike are taking on William Regal and Christopher Nowinski. And uh, as this tradition here, absolutely no pop for the Dudleys. Uh, they're just not over at this time. It's it's honestly kind of a shame, but at the same time, I can't really blame the crowd. I wouldn't be, after everything we've seen them doing since we started watching, I wouldn't really be excited to see them either, especially going against Nowinski again. Hell. There's that, plus I just realized, like, RVD and Dreamer get huge reactions because mm -hmm. they're former ECW guys in a relatively ECW area. But no one gave it. Fuck, Bubba's from Hell's Kitchen, New York. True. And that he didn't true. even get a pop. Good Lord. There's all that. Like, I think, at least me, and maybe I'm biased because Spike Dudley's awesome, but, like, Spike yeah. Dudley seems to be doing the, not the best, but, like, most over, maybe? Bubba ain't maybe. doing shit to get over. Devon's fucking jobbing every single week. Oh, not this week. Honestly, caught me off guard, but oh. we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Uh, Nowinski and Regal are accompanied by the WWE Women's Champion Molly Holly. Uh, we get a video package from earlier in the day with Nowinski, uh, Molly Holly, and Victoria, who we literally have not seen or heard about since their debut like three weeks ago. Uh, Nowinski says that the two of them, uh, him and Molly, made a great tag team two weeks ago. He, he really felt some chemistry there. Uh, he says that it would mean a lot if Molly joined uh, him for tonight's match. Victoria says, you know, I'm not too sure about this. The Dudleys are very dangerous, you know, like professional wrestlers are. 
Uh, Nowinski says that is true, but he would never let anything happen to Molly. Molly says that they did make a pretty good team, so she will join Nowinski tonight. Uh, Nowinski says that's great, and Molly should go get ready. Uh, Molly leaves, and Victoria says good luck. And Nowinski says, I'll be getting very lucky because I'm going to have fuck with her. He really wants to fuck Molly Holly. He is so horned up right now, man. Yeah. I've already said my piece about my opinion on this, but I'm just going to, I'll leave it there. I legit don't remember your piece. Oh, basically that I just feel like Christopher, Chris Nowinski just feels like he's being portrayed as like younger than he actually is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nowinski and Bubba Ray Dudley starting things off. Uh, Lockup and Nowinski backs Bubba into the corner. Nowinski relinquishes the hole but immediately goes for a punch that Bubba ducks, sending Nowinski into that corner. Punches to the gut by Bubba in a thudding chop. Uh, pretty much just hit him like right on the bone. Uh, but then he gets a better sounding chop, more of that classic slap noise. Uh, more punches by Bubba. We get a whip to the opposite corner, actually reversed. Uh, but Bubba is able to get the elbow up and hit a neck breaker for a two count. Spike Dudley tagged in. We get a body slam by Bubba and then a double foot stomp off the top rope by Spike. Forearms in the corner by Spike uh, and a forearm to Regal on the apron. Spike goes to rush Nowinski in the corner, but uh, Regal pulls Nowinski out of the way at the last second, causing Spike to hit the turnbuckle sternum first. That's always a hell of a bump. Mm-hmm. Bret Hart always took that bump. like That was his favorite bump to take at every match. I can't imagine that feeling good in any way. No, I just remember... didn't No... I was going to say Balor does it, but he do, he hits his back really hard and then takes a bump off of it. Yeah. Uh, Nowinski goads Bubba to get into the ring, uh, which distracts referee Nick Patrick. Bubba then just hits the nastiest fucking forearm right to Nowinski's, like, nose. Mm. Did you catch that, Dean? Yeah. He yeah. stiffed the fuck out of him with that forearm. Yeah, which, I mean, this is Bubba, so I'm not surprised. Oh, he gets know? another real stiff fucking move in this match. That's Yeah arguably way more dangerous uh while that's happening uh regal and molly each grab one of spike's legs uh on the outside and run him dick first into the post uh, and that gets a two count on spike by nowinski regal gets tagged in whipped to the corner but spike elbows nowinski and headbutts regal in the gut snapmare on regal and a head scissors on nowinski at the same time uh and from that we get a small we want tables champ because of course they do Yep. Uh, Spike ducks a double clothesline and gets Bubba in for the hot tag. Double clothesline to the heels. Clothesline to Regal. Clothesline to Nowinski. Stinger splash in the corner to Regal. Disgusting looking German suplex on Nowinski. Oh, yeah. I think he was just bullying this kid. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's that's why I'm saying I'm not surprised. I know he did the same shit to La Resistance, too. Like, it just, oh, my God. They, like, him and Devon beat the brakes off of them. Yeah, like, legit. Like, Bubba, I, I hate to say it, but, like, I feel like sometimes the only way to get Bubba to back off is legitimately to fight back. Yeah, Bubba said you got 24 hours to learn how to fight, bitch. Yeah. That's true. Uh, because Sidewalk slammed to Regal, which only gets a one count when Nowinski goes to elbow Bubba. But Bubba moves, causing Nowinski to uh, hit an elbow drop on Regal. Nowinski gets thrown to the outside. We get some punches and the dusty elbow to William Regal as Molly's climbing up to the top rope. Molly goes for the Molly go-round on Bubba, but Bubba moves and Molly lands on her feet, which was really impressive. Uh, body slam to Molly by Bubba and the what's-up headbutt to Molly's muff, trademark, uh, to a huge pop. Uh, I feel gross. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I shouldn't have said that. That's gross. So, 
I, I, I just want to say that I find once again, I find myself in this match, especially when we get to like the post-match stuff. I once again find myself like being like, man, they're just treating Molly like shit still. And she's supposed to be the heel. Yeah. I just, it, it bugs me in a way where I'm just like, once again, like it's not engendering sympathy for me for, oh, sorry, my phone. That's good. So it's Rito hitting you up being like, I thought I was doing the intro to this fucking show. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, and it doesn't help that like Bubba especially just consistently comes across like an asshole. I think that's because he's just an asshole. Fair enough, but like even in character, it's just like what he does during this match, like not during, not even just during the match, but after the match to Molly, I'm just like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. Uh, we get to get the table spot and Spike obliges. Bubba starts dancing with a lifeless Molly uh, while Spike is grabbing the table. Regal goes for a clothesline, but Bubba ducks it. Uh, slap to slap by Molly, actually, when referee Nick Patrick is talking to Nowinski and they roll up by William Regal for a two count. Uh, Nowinski body slams Spike on the outside. Now there's just a table laying in the ring and referee Nick Patrick just let it stay there. Cool. Uh, Regal's whip is reversed, causing Regal to knock Nowinski off the apron. Bubba bomb to Regal for the win. Uh, When does he start doing the Bubba cutter? I don't know, actually. I remember the Bubba bomb being more of like his signature. Yeah, I don't really have an answer for that. Yeah, I don't have an answer for that either. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Uh, well, Bubba, is, things got so fucking convoluted here. Uh, Bubba pulls Molly in the ring over the top row by her hair. Bubba goes to powerball Molly through the table. Why? Regal, because fuck Molly Holly, dude. She's a bitch. That's what I think, though. Just why? <laughs> There's no reason to do Wait, this. Ooh, I just put this together. Which is weird because I've talked about both things separately in my dumbass. It took us 10 weeks uh, to put two and two together, at least for me. She's a heel because she doesn't want to show her titties to everybody. Pretty much, yeah. But that's weird because then, like, Nydia's a heel and she does want to show her titties to everybody. That's because, but Jamie Noble's annoying. So, by proxy, we hate her. In fairness, though, Nydia is like. And she interferes in matches. I will I will say in fairness that even though they are effectively heels, I feel like Nydia is like borderline a face to the crowd. Yeah, there was that one SmackDown where like she was kind of a face. Last yeah. SmackDown. Like, don't get me wrong, Jamie Noble is definitely just a heel, but I feel like the crowd likes Nydia enough to where it's arguable. But even then, it's like, it's just, it's weird, man. Uh, Regal uses his brass knucks to punch Bubba in the back of the head which like causes him to fall forward on that powerbomb and Nowinski catches Molly to make sure she doesn't go through the table. Chris Un- and Regal, the greatest baby faces on the show. Hell yeah, bro. Uh, Nowinski carries Molly to safety while Spike hits the acid drop uh, on Regal onto the table, not through it. Uh, Botchmania, that's one for you. I am the table. <laughs> uh, Bubba goes into business for himself once again, like he always does, and just powerbombs Regal through that table. And then JR said that William Regal just tasted Bubba Ray Dudley's wood. Oh, I missed that. That's oh, I missed hilarious. that part. Okay. Damn. Uh, what did you guys think of this match? It was decent up until the bullshit last two or three minutes. I just... I don't know, man. Like, this Molly, this Molly shit just kind of ruins most matches for me. 
feel and it's that. not and it's not even Molly's fault. It's everybody else's fault. Like I can't stand Bubba right now. He just pisses me off. He's annoying. He's like doing everything that would make it seem like he's a heel, but he still gets cheered because Molly doesn't show her clothes, doesn't show her more of her body. Christopher Nowinski and William Regal are literally doing the right thing, but they're heels. Well, Nowinski isn't. Yeah, Nowinski's being a little pervert. Okay, but you know what? I'll still take the pervert over the dude who literally is about to powerbomb a win through a table. That's fair. Yeah, I guess you got to pick your battles. Yeah. Uh, We cut to commercial. Oh, oh, yeah, I should have given my opinion on the match, actually. I thought it was fine. Uh, The finish in the aftermath was very convoluted. But Bubba beating the fuck out of Nowinski was cool. Uh, Cuts commercial. Uh, Nowinski and Molly are backstage. Uh, Molly thanks Nowinski for saving her from going through that table. Uh, And she says that she's glad that there's still some real gentlemen in this world. And Molly says if there's anything, anything she can do to repay Nowinski, then he needs to tell her. Uh, Molly hugs Nowinski and he says, I'm sure I can think of something with the creepiest goddamn smile on his Mm -hmm. face. According to my notes, though, Trent, you missed something that happened prior to that. What did I miss? Uh, Backstage, Eric Bischoff is talking to the special guest who he'll introduce in a few moments. Oh, yeah, I didn't give a fuck about that. Well, that was a thing prior to Molly almost being fucked again. I'm sorry, who's the host here? I'm just helping you out. God, see, I was hoping you'd get mad at me so I don't come off as a dick, but then you just took the you took the sad boy route. Always. Always take the sad boy <laughs> Always route. take the sad boy route. I feel that. The key is to make it seem like you're more wounded than they are because then you're always the baby face. Hell yeah, brother, brother. Uh, we uh, cut to the ring with Eric Bischoff. And uh, speaking of that legend, he says that it's a pleasure to honor a legend and a Hall of Famer. Jimmy Snuka. Oh, fuck. Why? Uh-oh. A lot of murder on this episode, huh? Uh, Can we talk about that? Because I don't. Oh think- yeah, no, I got a whole paragraph here of fucking research. Okay, good. And by research, I mean I, I copy and pasted a lot of the, fucking Wikipedia article. Um, so for those who don't know, May tenth, nineteen eighty three, uh, Snooka's girlfriend at the time, Nancy Argentino, was found dead in their George Washington Motor Lounge, uh, Motor Motor Lodge motel room that's a bit of a mouthful there uh the coroner's report stated that argentino died of a traumatic brain injury consistent with moving a moving head striking a stationary object um autopsy findings show that argentino suffered more than two dozen cuts and bruises which was a possible sign of serious domestic abuse on her head on her head ear chin arms hands back buttocks legs and feet uh Jesus. Uh, forensic pathologist, I'm going to butcher this name, Isidore Mihalakis. I don't know. Huh, yeah. uh, the person that performed the autopsy wrote at the time that the case should be investigated as a homicide until proven otherwise. Uh, Deputy Lehigh County Coroner Wayne Snyder later said, quote, upon viewing the body and speaking to the pathologist, I immediately suspected foul play and so notified the district attorney. 32 fucking years later, 32 years, Snooka was finally arrested on the charges of third-degree murder and involuntary manslaughter. Obviously, Snooka uh, pled not guilty. The trial would go on, but was ultimately stopped just a little over a year into it uh, because the judge deemed that Snooka was not mentally fit to stand trial. 
um, I think around that time it was it was uh, it had re- very recently come out that he was suffering from uh, dementia, at least the early stages. Yeah, and he honestly, when that first happened, I was a little suspicious, but he actually ended up dying. About, not very long. Not very long after, I was like, "Oh, okay, I guess it wasn't bullshit." Uh, to be fair, uh, he had he had cancer. Yeah, it was not yeah. dementia related. Yeah. Um, and while, well, for the most part, I do believe innocent until proven guilty. Snuka was the only suspect since 1983. And you watch that Dark Side of the Ring documentary, many people close to Nancy Argentino said that Snuka had been abusive in the past and was abusive in front of these other people. And also, who was the guy in the car at the time? Was that it a Tonga yeah, Tonga. kid or whatever? Yeah. Tonga kid. Because yeah. you notice that when the interviewer asks him, like, hey, this is what Snuka said happened while you guys were in the car. You were in the car. Did that happen? And you see the guy, like, totally believed that Snuka was innocent. But the moment he's asked that question, he's like, wait no that that didn't happen i was there yeah it's... yeah and it's like well yeah well don't worry because snicka is a huge baby face and he got a huge pop in msg uh we get a close-up shot oh, God. he did don't yeah act like he, he did didn't. you know in fairness though i at the time this was happening and even like years and years later i didn't learn about these allegations until i was older honestly yeah i didn't learn about these until like you know, you, you grow up a wrestling fan, you start getting into the dirt sheets and all that yeah. stuff. You find about about these old rumors and all that. I probably didn't find out about this till like, I don't know, when was the trial again? 32 years later. So that's 2015. Mm-hmm. I probably didn't he- ever hear about this till like 2013, maybe. Yeah, because like I remember specifically like Snuka had that WrestleMania match with Piper and uh, Ricky Steamboat against Jericho. And even oh, yeah, then, 25, yeah. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, God, WrestleMania 25. Um, <laughs> legit, like, when I watched that, I was like, this is the worst WrestleMania I've ever seen in my life. But Ooh, 27? Okay, at the time. At the okay. time, yeah. But I just remember, like, even then, like, he literally had another WrestleMania match, and I still didn't know about this. Yeah, um, also, one thing I, I didn't put in here, because it's... I think it's kind of disputed whether or not this happened. A lot of it is disputed whether or not certain things had happened because uh, it is the wrestling business, I guess. Um, yeah. There's a rumor that McMahon did not let Snuka ever talk to the police and he really hammed up Snuka's gimmick of, well, he doesn't speak English, which is just not true. E- oof, oof, to try oof, to protect Snuka from man. what happened. Kayfabe, man. Kayfabe. Kayfabe, brother, brother. It was um, alive back then. I guess, man. Uh, we get a close-up shot of the Lifetime Achievement Award that Bischoff will be giving Snuka. But before that, Bischoff says he has a pre- uh, he prepared a video package for Snuka that is filled with Superfly highlights, a Superfly supercut, if you will. You see what I did there? Uh, the first move uh, the video shows him doing is a fucking diving headbutt. Uh, remember when I said he was <sighs> mentally fit for trial? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then mm. I, it actually shows him doing multiple diving headbutts. I did not know he did that move. I didn't actually either. I did not remember him doing that when I watched him. I was gonna say the not that I have not that I have much memory of his matches, but still. I was gonna say mostly ah, now that I think about it, a whole Samoan gimmick. Yeah, but I I just remember him doing like super kicks and cross bodies and the superfly splash off the top, like that back elbow where he'd immediately go into his pose afterwards. Oh yeah, that he well yeah we'll get there. Uh, yeah. Uh, the video obviously is going to show Snuka doing the splash off the top of the cage to Don Morocco. Fun fact: 
Don Morocco's nickname was The Rock hmm. before Dwayne Johnson. Plagiarism. Yeah, Don Morocco ripped off Dwayne. <laughs> no, uh, I meant that the other way around. Yeah, okay. no shit. Uh, <laughs> okay. Mick Foley has said multiple times that he was actually in MSG when that moment happened. Uh, and there are actually shots where you can see a young Mick Foley in the crowd at that event. Oh, cool. They've showed it uh, before in like documentaries and stuff. Uh, after the video package, we see a teary-eyed Snooka nodding his head while the audience cheers. Uh, Bischoff then says it's a great pleasure to give Snooka the WWE Lifetime Achievement Award. And the crowd, uh, the crowd pops big. Uh, Bischoff asks, what's going through Snooka's mind right now? And Snooka, he's going to thank the audience, but Bischoff cuts him off. And Bischoff says, you know, it's just been magic standing next to Superfly Jimmy Snooka in Madison Square Garden. I mean, for the last three minutes... And then Snooka <laughs> eyes go wide immediately. I will say this. As much as we just talked about how Snooka could possibly be a murderer, he his acting was tremendous in the segment. Yeah, I'll give him that. I will give I did him not that. know he could act like this because the second Bischoff said three minutes, his eyes went boom, just <laughs> wide open. And did Bischoff just say three minutes? Uh, Jamal's in the ring and Bischoff says, well, Jimmy, your three minutes are up. Uh, Jamal does the superfly, you know, hand sign pose, and he goes to attack, but Snooka gets some chops in for a big pop, and even the last chop that he does bumps Jamal. How did Big Show get his ass beat by three-minute warning, but at this point, a 50-year-old Jimmy Snooka could take him? Because he's the superfly. Because he's the superfly, Jimmy Snooka. Uh, uh, we see Rosie hop the barricade, and he locks eyes with Snooka, allowing Jamal to clothesline Snooka in the back, then Rosie with a clothesline to the front that bumps Snooka. Uh, Jamal climbs up top and hits the Superfly splash on, well, Superfly Snooka. Uh, Bischoff is on stage laughing and mocking Jimmy Snooka. I kind of like the segment. Yeah, I, I admit, it was actually it was actually pretty good. I'll admit that. Yeah, It was a little different than the usual three-minute warning thing. Like, I know last week it was Big Show, so that was different. But then, like, he actually got offense and Snooka did. I was shocked by that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that part I'm not sure about, really. He's a super fly. We cut to commercial and get a replay of the altercation between 3-Minute Warning and Snooka that we just talked about. Uh, cuts to the ring, we got three refs that are tending to Snooka, who is standing but is in clear uh, in clear pain. Jericho's music hits. Uh, Chris Jericho gets in the ring and promptly puts Snooka in the walls of Jericho to massive booze. Oh, man, yeah. Uh, Jericho grabs the mic and he says, It's been enough. And he says, when did they change the name of this arena to Madison Square has been? Got him, goof him. Mm. Uh, if you couldn't tell from that one line, Jericho's still mad about uh, has-beens after losing to Ric Flair the previous night at SummerSlam. Uh, Jericho says that Snooka is just like Ric Flair. Uh, and he says that's because just because he's popular with a bunch of ass clowns for 75 years, he doesn't deserve special treatment. Uh, Jericho says if anyone deserves an award, an award it's the king of the world uh, i think mongoose mcqueen deserves a reward instead no, no. come on man christian i'm i'm convinced chris jericho murdered mongoose mcqueen a lot of murder this episode bro i'm man. just saying maybe we need to investigate chris jericho too <gasps> maybe maybe he needs to quit doing fucking live concerts in a global pandemic but whatever um, uh, you know, but the power of rock will protect them. Fuck off. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Music is the power, man. That's true. God gave rock and roll to me, man. I don't know about y'all. 
um, Jericho says anyone should have been awarded the match at SummerSlam. It should have been him and not Ric Flair. Jericho says it's because he actually made Flair tap out of SummerSlam. And he tells the monkeys in the truck to roll the footage. I always love that line. Whenever oh, yeah. he would do the highlight reel, he'd tell the monkeys in the trunk to roll the footage. I don't know what the hell that means, but I like it. I yeah, like that kid's moxie. I'll begin a replay from SummerSlam when Jericho had Flair in that figure four. And we talked about the spot, obviously. It was in the match. Uh, Flair grabbed the rope and tapped at the same time. Uh, Jericho says that he made Flair tap at his own move, but Flair was somehow given the match, and Jericho just starts screaming, Why? Uh, Jericho says he is furious. And he'll take out his anger on Ric Flair's little buddy, Jeff Hardy. And it took me a second. Hardy and Flair are buddies. Uh, we actually saw them like a month ago on Raw talking for like five seconds. Yeah. Like that little, little bit of continuity. Yeah. That's, it, it is interesting. Like, because I, I, I made the connection. I was like, oh, it's kind of loose, but at least it's something. It's, yeah, it's something, I guess. They're both from North Carolina. Oh, yeah. I'll give them that. Too. Uh, Jericho says that before he does that, he'll give the Fozzie fanatics a treat because uh, Flair interrupted that concert last week. Jericho says that he'll do his own cover of New York, New York. Uh, Jericho starts singing and he's getting booed to all hell. Uh, and we cut to commercial. And then we come back and he's still singing. <laughs> um, Jeff Hardy's music hits, cutting off Jericho, and that goes into our next match. Chris Jericho taking on Jeff Hardy. Uh, things start off hot. As Jericho hits a running forearm on Jeff while Jeff's still doing his uh, entrance routine in the ring. Uh, vertical suplex by Jericho. Basement drop kick and some punches by Chris Jericho. Jeff uh, tries to come back with some gut kicks, but Jericho starts choking him on the ropes. Whip off the ropes. Jeff Hardy ducks a clothesline and hits a flying forearm of his own. Uh, punches in the corner by Jeff Hardy. Whip to the opposite corner is reversed, but Jeff does an up and over with a tilt-a-whirl head scissors and... Uh, right after that, Jericho hits a clothesline anyway. A choke on the ropes by Jericho. Two punches and a slap by the king of the world. A whip off the ropes, and Jericho goes for a drop kick, but Jeff catches the leg and legs and catapults Jericho over the top rope to the outside and a big diving crossbody off the top to the outside on the Chris Jericho by Jeff Hardy. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jeff goes for the barricade uh, tightrope walk, but Jericho catches Jeff midair and hits a spinning power slam. That looked pretty cool. And I, I would like to say that when Jeff went for that tightrope walk, I didn't see who it was, but I swear I heard like one or two women like scream as Jeff walked by them. Because Probably. Jeff was sex personified, okay? Not fair, man. It's not fair. That's true. God damn, Jeff. How about you give a little bit of that sexiness to the boys at Ripple's recap? Can we start that <laughs> petition? Jeff yeah. Hardy, please give us some of your sexiness. You know, I it's friggin' Jeff Hardy, man. I, it's honestly kind of amazing how he just casually gets over whenever he wants to. True. Like, uh, in a way that, like, most people can't. Like, he's, like, the personification of, like, zero mic skills but infinite charisma. Oh, my God. Literally, anytime Damon and I are watching SmackDown uh, and Raw, there are two dudes that I think I told this to you at one point, Dean. Mm. There are two people that are terrible on the mic, but they've somehow always been over. Oh, one Rey Mysterio. Yeah. One is Rey Mysterio and one yeah. is Jeff Hardy. Yeah. They're both terrible on the mic, but they've always been over. I, and, I, and that's why I try to emphasize there, like there is definitely a difference between mic work and charisma. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, Jeff and Ray definitely have the charisma, but their mic work is the shits. Yeah. Uh, stomps and kicks to Jeff's lower back. Uh, they're both in the ring now. Backbreaker by Chris Jericho. Jericho uses... Okay, I didn't know what to call this thing. Jericho uses Jeff's claw thingy that hangs out the back of his pants to choke him. Yeah. I don't know what the hell it was. It looked like two tank tops cut up and tied together. Because Jeff's crazy. Yeah, they also kind of looked like towels, though. Dean, what are they? I, I don't know. Yeah. I couldn't tell you. Awesome. Uh, Jericho then uses it to wipe his armpits, and he goes to throw it out of the ring, but he gets caught on the ropes. Um, Snapmare and Jericho's patented terrible bow and arrow. Uh, Jeff powers out with elbows, and he's getting some punches in off the ropes, but Jericho hits a kitchen sink. Uh, basement drop kick in a two count uh, for Chris Jericho. Um, Lawler at this moment will not shut the fuck up about this evening gown match. Like he, he's like an insufferable twelve year old. He's like, you think we'll see Lillian's uh, butthole? Like shut the fuck up. No one cares. You know, once again, I need to say, I'm honestly surprised by how much I'm not enjoying Jerry Lawler. I really thought I was going to enjoy hearing him and uh, him and J- Jr. on commentary again. And all I'm every single time, I'm just like, man, Jim Ross is doing great, but Jerry's getting on my damn nerves. I think. He's got Lawler gets like one good quip a night, mm-hmm. but then everything else just shut the fuck up, you pervy old man. I'll give him this. At least he has energy, dude. I'll take Lawler any day over Alex Marvez. Yeah. Remember him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. God, he's literally the worst commentator I ever heard. <laughs> like him and yeah. Mike Adamley. Oh god, Which Mike Adamley's not fair because it turns out he's had dementia for years. Oh shit! I didn't so know that. So he may have been in the early stages when he was doing commentary. That's why he fucked up a lot, maybe. Damn, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, damn, now was, I feel he, bad. Right? Nah, he played football for years. Like, he was in the NFL for like twelve years or some shit. Man, athletes just beat the shit out of their bodies so much. Yeah. Uh, back suplex by Chris Jericho. Four elbows to a down Jeff Hardy for a two count. Uh, Jericho chokes Jeff on the ropes. Jericho goes for that running hip attack, uh, but Jeff moves, causing Jericho to hurt his dick and cock and balls. His nuts are fine, though. Uh, gut kick by Jeff Hardy. Whip off the ropes, and Jeff goes for drop kick, but Jericho holds on to the ropes, causing Jeff to just bump on the mat. Uh, big boy senton by Jericho, even though he's not a big boy, so I'm going to have to take that one up with the commission at some point, uh, but he did the move anyway. Great two count. I- the only thing I can say is that I guess just by virtue of being bigger than Jeff. Nah, man. If you're not at least like 250, I don't want you doing a big boy song. <laughs> Damn, okay. So even I couldn't do one. I guess not, no. No, I'm not, but I'm not, I mean, I'm I'm not small, but I'm not 250. That's the thing. Actually, you know what? Let me put it this way. You have to be a big boy for like, you just got to look like a big boy. I'll put okay. It so the key is I need to wear overly baggy clothing like three minute warning. Fuck yeah, dude. They dude, they were the personification of fashion, bro. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, we get a two count off that big boy. Uh, Jeff and Jericho start trading punches with Jericho getting the upper hand. Jericho punches Jeff down to the mat again. He starts doing that uh, dancing, the shimmy thing. Uh, and they do the same thing again. He's punching him down. He's dancing. Uh, Jericho goes for a punch, but Jeff blocks and starts getting in some of his own. Uh, Jericho ends up ducking one of the punches and hits that sleeper slam for a two count. Abdominal stretch by Jericho, and Jeff eventually powers out with a hip toss. Clothesline in the corner by Chris Jericho. 
whip to the opposite corner, reverse, and Jericho goes for like a springboard, but gets hit with a drop kick. That looked pretty good. Yeah, it was nice. Oh, yeah. Uh, both men are down after that. Uh, they get back up. Jeff's getting some punches in, but Jericho rakes the eyes. Uh, Jeff whipped in the corner, but he hits Whisper in the wind. Uh, jawbreaker and a leg drop to the gut by Jeff for the two count. Whip reversed and Jericho goes for the back body drop, but Jeff gets a sunset flip that Jericho rolls through into a Walls of Jericho attempt. Uh, Jeff kicks Jericho off into the ropes and into a small package for a two count. Uh, Jeff rushes Jericho in the corner, but Jericho is able to get the boot up. Bulldog by Chris Jericho. He goes to the lion salt, but Jeff Hardy is able to get the knees up to block it. Leg drop pin by Jeff for a very close two count. Uh, Jeff does the inverted enzigiri. Uh, Jeff goes up top for the swanton, and he actually hits it. Uh, but a two count when Jericho gets to the ropes, calling back to when Flair got to the ropes yeah. at SummerSlam. Uh, Jeff goes for Hurricane Rana, but Jericho catches the legs for the walls of Jericho. Uh, Jeff gets to the ropes, but Jericho is refusing to let go of the hold. Uh, and the ref counts to five, and Jeff Hardy wins via DQ. Indeed. Uh, and I, I did like this. I did not like this match very much. But uh, Jeff sold it great by, like, right after the bell rang for the DQ, then he tapped immediately. Mm-hmm. I love that to show he was he was this close. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even after the bell rings, Jericho will not relinquish the hold, uh, and it takes multiple reps and even Sergeant Slaughter to break him up. Uh, and Jericho's trying to attack Jeff. Everyone's holding him back. What did you guys think of this match? I didn't actually hate it that much. Like, it's weird because at the beginning, when Jericho was like, yeah, I'm going to fight Flair's little buddy. I was like, and then he said Jeff Hardy. I was like, I don't really care. But they put on a decent match, I thought. Yeah. Um, I will also say that I think the finish was probably the best thing to do for the time being because – I think they just needed somebody for Jericho to get heat against, but they probably also didn't necessarily want Jeff Hardy to lose. So I think actually both of them are kind of in a win-win scenario here. Both of them, I think, came out of this looking good. I'm not arguing that they, they, no one came out looking good or anything. My main problem with this match, and we'll only see more of it, sadly. Jeff Hardy sucks. Well, you're, you're not too far off. He looked very sloppy in this match. Yeah. He was very, like, kind of moving way slower than you'd expect Jeff Hardy to move. And I'll also say when he was running on the on the, uh, on the the barricade, he looked like he wasn't – he didn't quite have the same balance he usually does. Yeah, um, which will factor into uh, – he's not around much longer after this. He's gone by Mania 19, so mm-hmm. about six months. Um, Oof, he, yeah. He kept having drug problems. He was no showing events, showing up late to events. Uh, and obviously, you could tell his in-ring work was deteriorating because mm-hmm. of his his problems. And, uh, I, I, and I, and I, you know, and this, mind you, I'm not really saying this necessarily to bash Jeff Hardy here. This is more of an, an indictment of WWE in that, look, full disclosure, I've actually always been more of a Matt Hardy fan, and I'll be honest about that. But my big thing is that it really bugs me that no matter what Matt does, no matter if he gets over, no matter if people want to see him, he is always either kept down or even in his latest run, he was essentially a jobber on WWE. Like, he lost every single match. The thing and, is, like, Matt has that charisma, 
but they have another Hardy who has more. Yeah, but see, so they the, go reason, with him. the reason it bothers me is because it doesn't matter what Jeff does, they will always push him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know what? Because it's like, God, I'm trying to think. Jack Swagger got caught with some weed in his car. Yep. And that killed his push. Jeff Hardy has been arrested multiple times and suspended multiple times. And it's never killed his push. Yeah. Matt Hardy was super clean in his last run in WWE, and he was losing matches to, like, freaking Eric Rowan. Yeah. Not to, like, kind of derail the whole Matt Hardy should have a better push or should have been treated better conversation. Shut up, Damon. You shut the fuck up. Don't be kidding. Um, But, no, it is about Matt Hardy. Did you see that nasty gash he took in AEW? Oh, yeah, I saw that. That was gross as hell. Sammy took that chair and threw it, like, top of the chair first, the edge. Gash the fuck out of him. It was the worst possible place. Well, one of the worst possible places the chair can hit you. Yeah, right in the forehead. Yeah, like, and on, like, the hardest part of it, too. Yeah, it was that nasty gash he got in his head on that one. Yeah. Um, Cut backstage, and Terry Runnels is interviewing Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar. Uh, Terry asks who they would prefer to win the number one contenders match tonight, uh, Undertaker or Triple H. And Brock says it doesn't matter. And Terry pushes the question. She's like, well, okay, gun to your head. You got to choose. Do you want Undertaker or Triple H? And Brock gets right in Terry's face and says it doesn't matter. And then Heyman and Brock laugh, and we cut to Storm and Christian backstage. Uh, Storm is looking off camera, and he says, you know, this is strong. And uh, Christian says, actually, it's a bit closer to perfect. Um, We pan over to test with the American flag, and he says that in New York City, it's going up in flames. Test is planning to burn the American flag, and Jerry Lawler and JR freak the hell out. Yeah. You know... I got to – well, you know what? I have a comment, but I'll save that for when they actually get in the ring. All right. Well, right here, cut to commercials, and uh, the Un-Americans are out. Uh, Storm has the American flag, and Tess has a blowtorch. Uh, we see a fan in the crowd giving the Un-Americans double deuces. I thought that was cool. Uh, oh, no, no, no. I, I'm reading my notes, and as I'm reading the notes, I just remembered. We see a, a guy in the crowd, like, on hard cam side, you know what I mean? Like, we mm-hmm. see his back. He throws up double deuces. And then Test, uh, he grabs the mic to cut his promo, and he suddenly itches his nose with his middle finger right oh, at that guy. Yeah, yeah. I fucking love that. <laughs> um, Tess says he thinks it's a boot time that the U.S. sees what the rest of the world thinks about them. And I'm not making fun of Canadians. That's what he said. Yeah. yeah. On God, that's how y'all say it. I don't know why I said y'all. There's not a single fucking Canadian listening to this. So I'm honestly surprised that somebody didn't jump the ring. Yeah. Yeah, like I mean, it wouldn't have been me, but somebody would have cared enough. Yeah, I really like I was like waiting like I mean my well no, I was not that I was waiting because I actually have already seen this segment before. Yeah. But pretty famous like, segment. But at the same time I'm just kinda like, man, like I'm legitimately surprised somebody didn't try to attack them. Yeah, it's is it trashy for WWE to be doing this storyline? I've really debated that. Um it would have been trashy had the outcome been different. What did it, no, no, no. I'm not talking about the segment in general. I'm talking just the un-Americans in general. Oh, the un-Americans is it in trashy general? To, is it trashy to run this when, like, they held that SmackDown on September 13th, which was, like, the largest 
public gathering of its size since 9 11. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they, they were talking about the troops and Lillian Garcia sings the Star Spangled Banner. Um, and then they do this. Is this like hypocritical? I. Or is this just wrestling? Is this just, you know, I, my, my, mix go my, with the time my initial thought is it's just wrestling. That's just kind of how it is. But on the other hand, I'm also just like, I don't care about this gimmick is the other thing. I, yeah. Because yeah. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand why it has heat because they're, especially given the time period. But I'm that's just, the thing. We're just under a year removed from the largest terrorist attack in U.S. history. Yeah. And we are in the city it happened in. Yeah. Once again, why I'm surprised no one jumped the ring. Right. Um, There's another point I had, but one you can go on if you had something else. Yeah. I, I personally, I'm not bothered by it, honestly. But then again, you could easily argue that I'm not bothered by it because we're so far removed from the time this was aired. There, there's that, because like, showing my age, I guess, how young I am. I don't remember 9-11. Damn uh, whippersnapper. I know, right? Uh, I know Damon said he does, and we're not going to get into his story. Maybe some other time, but... Yeah, okay. we'll get there. Um, but he remembers 9-11. Dean, I remember... I imagine you remember 9-11. You know, the weird thing is I actually didn't watch it as much as, like, I just remember, like, walking into my mom's room and seeing her crying. That's all I really... Uh, I, I didn't... Yeah, I didn't really... I didn't actually see it on television, which, in retrospect, maybe I should be glad I didn't. I was going to say, you would have been, like, what? Five, six? I would have been so 2001. Yeah, I probably would have been like six. Yeah, I would have been not even one yet. So, yeah, but like, I, they're really playing off the people's emotions, which I mean, that is wrestling. That that's entertainment in general. But like, yeah. were you? I don't think you were seeing movies at this time, being like. Here are these. Ter- were you like? Were there really movies at this time that were like? Here are these terrorists that hate America. Um, there are actually two Spider-Man related things that yes. were that were like affected by this. So like, a lot of media was actually purposely taking the Twin Towers out of things. Right. I I've seen before. It's kind of rare. Maybe not rare. You can find it on YouTube. But it was. I think it was considered like lost me. I'm really into like obscure and lost like media and lost films and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for a while it was considered lost. There was a trailer showing in theaters before 9/11 that it was uh, it was for the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie that came out in 2002, where um, you just see like a plane flying with these bad guys in it, uh, and they're flying in between the twin towers, uh, and they get caught in a big spider web. Uh, and that got taken out of theaters once 9-11 happened. There was a, and I imagine this is also what you're talking about, Dean, there was a movie poster for Spider-Man where the Twin Towers was in the reflection of Spider-Man's eye. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that was also taken out of theaters. And also, one more. Uh, this was a game that was released very late in the PS1's life, I believe, but Spider-Man 2 on PlayStation 1. Uh there's a point in the game where Spider-Man has to go after Electro and he says, well, if he's trying to get to the highest point, I know exactly where he's going. And the thing is, in the original version of that, it was the Twin Towers, but I have the greatest hits version, which they remodeled the building. So it's just one big building instead of like the Twin Towers. Like they were like huh. spider I guess just cause he's like based in New York. Spider-Man got like a lot of censorship during this time period because of that. 
oh shit i just remember we need to get off this topic because we're going long now brother oh sorry man. but no no, no 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 i'm just saying in general yeah uh, but uh i remember that uh, i'm not a really a fan of the show friends but i've seen i've seen it enough i probably have seen the whole show actually um at, you know that show takes place in new york uh after 9-11 they like whenever they do like the b-roll of the skyline you know in between uh scenes they mm-hmm. had they had to take out the twin towers to just get, try to get people's minds off of it. Oh yeah, yeah, um, I get that. But off of that sad topic, Tess is gonna burn the fucking flag. Apparently, uh, Tess says that he couldn't think of anything better than this. Uh, he lights up that blowtorch, and we see the the small bluish flame coming out, ready to burn the flag. Uh, then we see bigger flames as Kane's pyro hits. Uh, same video from last week. Uh, no Kane though. So I, I maybe the pay per view. I don't know. Uh, Tess gets the blowtorch ready again, and we're getting really loud. We want Kane chance in Madison Square Garden. Uh, the flame almost kisses the American flag, but book dust run in and they attack the Un Americans. Uh, but the Un Americans have the numbers advantage. It's three on two. Yeah. Uh, as Christian and Storm are holding down Booker and Goldust respectively on the outside of the ring, Tess is in the ring. He's ready to set that flag on fire. When Kane's pyro hits and motherfucking slow chemical top three theme song of all time, don't fucking at me. It's gotta be Kane. You know, I love like I love when Jim Ross calls Kane returns. It is like the most hype. Like it's some of the most hype stuff I ever hear from from Jr. Like I don't know something about the way he says the big red machine is here just gets me every time. You know what gets me every time? It's slow chemical. We're not getting off of that real quick. Okay, slow fair chemical. Enough is a top three theme song of all fucking time. I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to argue. Better not. I won't take that shit fucking standing, okay? Not as good as Rob Conway, but you know. Just look at me. That's true. Rob Conway had a great... Okay, top four. Kane Kane could be number four. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. After we got put Rob Conway in there, I forgot about him. Um, Kane is out and what I strongly believe is his best look ever. Also, don't at me. Um, He's got the, the half mask which this is actually the first time he wore it. He was debuting the half mask here. Before that, he had the full mask that uh, covered his mouth and made his promos kind of hard to hear. Because mm-hmm. he started cutting promos before uh, this injury uh, in April 2002. Uh, he actually tore his bicep, which not much is actually known about the injury, uh, probably due to like Kane being more of a monster, mysterious character. So WWE wasn't going to mention, like, oh, our resident monster had to go to the hospital to get surgery. Yeah, it's probably, like, why they said, like, you know, during that time period, like, instead of acknowledging that Rey Mysterio broke his nose, they just said, Undertaker is now in a vegetative state. Like, it's just... Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, like, it, it's 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 one of those little things about the type, kind of character you play, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, Kane rushes the ring. Tess swings the American flag, but Kane ducks it, and he's getting some big punches in. Uh, punched a storm. Chair shot to Kane's back by Christian. But Kane just came back, so he's no selling it, and hits a big choke slam. Uh, Storm clotheslined out of the ring. Kane ducks Tess's big boot, gets the goozle, and hits the choke slam. We're getting loud USA chants uh, for a man that was born in Madrid, Spain. Uh, you always you love to see it. Uh, Booker grabs the mic, and he's, he says, "Hold up, hold up, everybody." Uh, he says that this gold freak ain't going anywhere, and then this is his quote, not mine. This five-time WC champion ain't going anywhere. He did not say WCW for whatever reason. Yeah, he's a world. He's a, a five-time world champion. World champion. He's a five-time world champion. Champion. I love that. 
I can get behind that. That's my gimmick on the indies, everybody. Uh, uh, he said, they ain't going anywhere until they get the people what they paid to see. Das Spinaroonie. Uh, Booker hits the Spinaroonie uh, while Goldust is frantically waving the American flag. Uh, we get a Can You Dig That Sucker by Booker, and he goes to leave the ring, but Kane stops him. And Kane takes the mic from Booker. And uh, he tells Booker to wait. He says, they did not come to see the Spinaroonie. They came to see the Kane-a-rooney. Huge pop. Mm-hmm. A terrible Spinaroonie, but a great Kane-a-rooney because they are two different things. Indeed, uh, indeed. We get the thing where he raises his arms up and pulls him down. The fire shoots out of the post and slow chemical by Finger 11 off the Punisher soundtrack. Um, how do you guys feel about the segment? Um, You know, I will say for me, the segment still holds up. I actually, I actually enjoyed this as much as I feel like I did when I first watched it. I can't argue that. I think that Kane or Rooney might have taken away from it and made him more humorous than badass, but that's not to say I hated it. That's kind of where I was leaning with it, because like, I know that they were doing things to humanize Kane before this and to make him a bit more humorous and more like a person than the monster he debuted as five years prior. There's a fine line you have to walk, though. Yeah. I think I, they crossed it. Yeah, because, like, him saying suck it was a funny moment, right? But after that, he stayed this big, the big red machine, a big fucking monster. Um, He did the thing where he, um, it was, I think, like, right before he got injured, actually, where he was teaming up with Hogan and Rock on SmackDown. Yeah, he started cutting yeah. a promo like both of them. Like, I think it's okay to take it. Now, granted, you know, you always hear, like, from Bruce Pritchard or Vince, like, you know, we got we to gotta change these characters up. We got to make them relatable. We got to, they need to evolve. And I, I understand that they need to evolve. It's how you tell great stories. But is this the way to evolve a character like Kane? I don't know. I think this is like, too- I think you can do it. I think you can do the humor stuff in small bits. Like, whoa, what the fuck? Kane just started cutting a promo like Hogan. Like, it's funny every once in a while, but then he, he does a spin rooney Yeah. And he's talking about the canine, canines. I, I think I think the issue is the juxtaposition. It doesn't feel like a natural evolution as much as it just kind of feels like he's suddenly uh, suddenly he's funny, Kane. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, all in all, I love the segment, but that that I'm I'm not sure about. Yeah, that's fair. Um, we cut to commercial and we get the same stupid. We don't take breaks. And all our talents die criminally young. Video from SummerSlam. <laughs> God. Uh. Our next matchup, RVD takes on Tommy Dreamer in a both WWE Intercontinental and WWE Hardcore title match. Uh, JR clarifies that the match will be under Hardcore rules uh, and will be the last Hardcore title match in WWE. Uh, the winner becomes the Intercontinental Champion as the Hardcore title is basically being re- it's being retired and you could kind of say unified with the Intercontinental title, yet they never really use the word unified. Yeah. It's yeah, in the like same way it was unified either. with the European Championship. It's like, yeah, not really. Right. Uh, Dream. Okay, th- this is where I got lost. This is the first time I noticed that Dreamer has the New York Hardcore title. With, but I got to be wrong because it's the last time we see it. There's no way he debuted this new title just for it to get retired. I yeah. don't remember it before this point, though. Right. right. Um. Also, I'm pretty sure it's just the European title with a New York license plate over the center plate. Probably. Yeah, 
I, I swear, though, I'm pretty sure last time we saw Tommy, he still had the Texas one. Listen, if we have any actual fans out there that want to do the sleuthing for us, please do it. But, yeah, I, I've never noticed it before this. Yeah, so I don't think I have. Uh, we get some loud ECW chants as uh, RVD and Dreamer shake hands to a big pop. Lock up and waist lock by Dreamer. RVD goes around and gets his own waist lock. Side headlock takeover uh, by RVD and Dreamer immediately puts RVD in a head scissors. RVD gets out and goes for a flipping senton, but our, uh, Dreamer moves. Dreamer goes for an elbow, but Van Dam moves. RVD misses an enzigiri, as does Dreamer. RVD does a jumping splits for no reason. Uh, Van Dam misses a clothesline, and so does Dreamer, and we get the Lucha standoff to a big pop. Uh, and I thought it was a nice little story that both men spent so much time together in ECW that they know each other so well that they can't hit a single move. Yeah, the leapfrog was a little awkward, but I, yeah, I, I, think, I think they kind of – I get the impression that maybe that was supposed to be – maybe Tommy was supposed to do something and he didn't do it, but I don't know. That or maybe it was the idea was like he was faking Tommy out. Yeah. But that uh, reminds did. me of, uh, just real quick, that RVD and Jerry Lynn in ECW, like, I'll do it. Go for it. Jerry Lynn! Yeah. Um, as their matches went on, like, they would do a sequence, but then, like, it would get more convoluted and countered because, like, like knew each other so well. Yeah. Yeah. Dean, do you like my Jerry Lynn impression? Do you remember yeah. him doing that? You know, I'm not gonna lie. I've mostly just seen Jerry Lynn's matches. I've actually never really gotten like much of like him talking before. Yeah. So his promo is like he just cut a normal promo, but then the last words he'd say in like a death metal growl. Still so, like, RVD, I'm gonna beat your ass at Hardcore Heaven. <laughs> I didn't even know that. God, that killed my fucking throat. Oh Jesus. So I actually decided to go ahead and look up the thing about the Hardcore title while we were talking. Did you find um, anything? Because I tried to do some research and I couldn't find much. So here's the thing. I can't find much either, but I'm noticing that every picture of Tommy Dreamer with that title, he's wearing, it looks like it literally is for this match. What the it fuck? It looks, because he's, he's, I mean, mind you, I know Tommy Dreamer's attire didn't change that much between matches, but it looks like every single picture I can find, he's wearing the attire from this match with like the the american flag the american logo. flag wwe logo i swear to god this is the first time they debuted those shirts because yeah. everyone's wearing it that's yeah. the thing so i'm thinking to myself this might literally be the only time that they did they used it i feel like i remember it more than just one night yeah um huh. i it just, it looks like, yeah, because I can't find a single picture of him without wearing that shirt with the New York title. Even if he used it before, I think that it must have debuted super recently if it wasn't tonight. They must have been like, listen, Tommy, last night you're going to have this title. You're in your home state. Fucking do whatever. Yeah. Maybe that was it. I don't know. Uh, we get another loud ECW chant. Lock up and RVD goes behind but eats an elbow by Dreamer. Dreamer off the ropes. Van Damme does the splits, but uh, Dreamer knows better in basement drop kicks him in the head. Head to the corner, whip reversed, and two shoulder blocks by Van Damme. Uh, backflip, and he goes for the third, but Dreamer hits him in the stomach with a Singapore cane uh, and the white Russian leg sweep on Van Damme for a two count. Uh, Dreamer to the outside, and he gets a ladder out from under the ring. He goes to slide it into the ring when RVD attempts a baseball slide into the ladder into Dreamer, but Dreamer lifts up the ladder, causing Van Damme to just slide uh, under the bottom rope to the outside. 
uh, Dreamer goes to hit Van Dam with the ladder, but Van Dam sidesteps and super kicks the ladder into Dreamer for a two count on the outside of the ring. RVD grabs the ladder and makes a ladder bridge between the ring apron and the barricade. Uh, kick to a down to Dreamer. Whip reversed in a spine buster and a two count for Tommy. Uh, Van Dam thrown back in and Dreamer goes to follow, uh, but he's punched on the apron. Dreamer goes to suplex Van Dam uh, on top of that ladder bridge, but RVD gets out. A shoulder check to Dreamer, but Dreamer's getting the knee up. RVD dragged uh, onto the apron with Dreamer. Uh, Dreamer goes for a bulldog on RVD off the apron onto the ladder, but RVD pushes Dreamer off and he just crashes face first into the ladder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, RVD to the outside now. Dreamer lifts it up and he gets crotched onto the barricade and he gets kicked in the chest. RVD hops up on the barricade onto the ladder bridge and hits a flying karate kick to Dreamer's head, which I thought was a pretty cool spot. Uh, that gets a two count, actually. Uh, Dreamer is thrown into the ring. RVD grabs a chair and uh, heads back in the ring. He places the chair on Dreamer's torso and hits a standing moonsault for a two count. Uh, the chair placed back onto Dreamer's torso after that, and RVD goes for the split-legged moonsault, but Dreamer grabs the chair, puts it on his knees, uh, and RVD just crashes gut first into the chair and Dreamer's knees, allowing Dreamer to get the upper hand. Uh, Dreamer goes for the Dreamer DDT uh, uh, on RVD onto a chair, but Van Dam hits a beautiful bridging Northern Lights for a two count. Uh, RVD misses a clothesline, and Dreamer is unable to hit the Spicoli driver. RVD misses a spinning crescent kick, and Dreamer finally hits a DDT that spikes Van Dam on his head. He loved taking that bump. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I knew that Tommy wasn't going to win, but I wasn't expecting him to actually hit the DDT. But, uh, you know, that's how it goes. Um, that gets a two count. Dreamer grabs the ladder, and he drags it into the ring. Dreamer hits a sidewalk slam uh, on Van Dam onto the ladder. Uh, Dreamer up to Brett's rope and he goes for an elbow but RVD moves causing Dreamer to smash his elbow into the ladder uh, Van Dam puts the ladder on top of Dreamer and hits a rolling thunder for a two count spinning leg drop by RVD RVD goes up top for the five star uh, but Dreamer pops up and crotches RVD on the turnbuckle Dreamer makes yet another bridge with the ladder but this time it's uh, like bridged on the second rope so it's kind of like a platform uh, Dreamer climbs up on top of that ladder and he grabs RVD and he goes for a superplex off that ladder bridge uh, but RVD punches him multiple times in the gut causing Dreamer to fall and crotch himself on the rungs of the ladder a Oof. gruesome looking spinning heel kick off the top rope onto Dreamer while he's still crossed on the ladder so his momentum causes him to like bump backwards and now he's like in a tree of Joey Lawrence position in the ladder yeah that's probably uh, amazing yeah, yeah it was. and then RVD grabs the chair to hit a Van Daminator. Uh, Five-star frog splash afterwards for the three count. Uh, and I noted RVD has won three titles within the last month, two in the last 24 hours. Kind of goes back to once again, like, honestly, he feels like the more logical number one contender, but, you know. Right. Uh, what would you guys think of this match? I actually liked it. I thought yeah, I there really were some – too. I thought there were some spots that – were a little awkward, like the leapfrog, and some some things felt like they got a little, a a little a little botched, and I don't mean like big botch, just very very tiny. Um, but overall, I thought it was a really good match. It was hard hitting. Uh, I was really, uh, I, I suppose if the hardcore title's got to be sent off, this is actually a pretty good way to do it between Tommy Dreamer and Rob Van Dam. Um, 
I I will say though now my main concern is like what the hell is Tommy even going to be doing at this point? Yeah. Legit, I don't know what he fucking does after this because I can't. Hard... I can't think of him doing anything in like two thousand three, two thousand four, up until one night stand two thousand five. Yeah, I think they just take him back because uh, at this moment, I'm pretty sure he was on creative. He wasn't uh, okay. supposed to wrestle. Um, but he begged to like be a part of the actual show and not just do creative. Mm-hmm. And I think one, I don't think Vince really fucking cared about Dreamer. Yeah, and two, so it was like, you know, it's kind of a bad idea to have someone on creative also be in the ring. Cause like you're just gonna pitch to win and shit was kind mm-hmm. of the thought. Like can't have the can't have the prisoners run the asylum kind of thing. Uh, and I think that's what led to like they kind of hazed him into doing all that gross shit with Undertaker and drinking a tobacco spit, Ugh, which was yeah. fucking. Thank God we didn't watch. That. I would have vomited. That was, that's, that's disgusting. So gross. Um, but I thought this was a really good match. Uh, I never realized the Dreamer could like actually wrestle and was pretty good at it. Yeah, I I, I know. I I honestly, it's why I'm probably a bigger fan of Tommy Dreamer than most people, just because I'm like I actually think he's actually kind of an underrated wrestler yeah, he's pretty he d- definitely held his own he's definitely in the best shape of his fucking career at this point he's yeah ripped as hell uh both men hug after the match and dreamer cries which i'm pretty sure is his default action uh just like rick flair blading and rick flair well crying uh, uh after this we see triple h warming up backstage for his main event match against undertaker and we see lillian garcia and trish stratus walking to lillian's upcoming match uh, cuts commercial and Stacey Keebler is making her entrance. Fink, who is no longer wearing his jacket and now he just looks like a homeless guy in a suit, uh, says it's a nice surprise to see Stacey. Uh, Stacey takes the mic and says, yeah, whatever. Uh, but Howard, I want you to know that I'm not out here to support you in this match. I'm actually here to make sure that Trish Stratus does not interfere, which kind of means that she's supporting Fink, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Fink says, well, Stacey, speaking of interference, you're giving me a fucking boner. <sighs> yeah, I like how nothing yeah. he says is like super creative. He's just like, get it? I'm horny. Yeah, yeah he was like, you're giving me interference in my pants. The fuck? What does that even mean? There's no subtlety at all. Uh, so our next matchup, if you can even call this a fucking match, Howard Finkel versus Lillian Garcia in a tuxedo versus evening gown match. Uh, Fink is doing the ring introductions for himself and his opponent, which is also my gimmick on the indies. Uh, Fink tells Lillian Garcia that her evening gown looks great, but he thought Rudy Giuliani banned hookers from New York a long time ago. Why is Fink written to be the funniest, most brutal person <laughs> in WWE? That, that was, was a great, great line. line. That was I a great line. That. that line honestly was better than the entire match, but that's not surprising. <laughs> yeah, that line slapped so hard. Speaking of slaps, uh, Lillian goes to slap Fink. But Fink catches it and shoves Lillian to the mat so fucking hard. Um, uh, and the match has officially started. Uh, Lillian jumps on Fink's back and they both just crumple to the mat. Fink can't hold her up. Ugh. They roll around and I'm going to try to do a Joey style impression because the way they rolled around reminded me of something. Oh, yes. Uh, you know what I'm going for? Dude? Yeah, I know what you're going cat for. Cat fight! They were rolling around like a cat fight. Yeah. Uh, Fink tries to rip off just the bottom part of Lillian's evening gown I guess it was weird uh, Fink grabs the mic and he already looks winded as fuck he looked bad yeah yeah. 
uh, Lillian shoves him back down and starts ripping off his suspenders to booze as no one wants to see a naked Fink. Uh, both get back up to their feet, and Fink shoves Lillian to the ropes, and she just bumps for some reason. Kill me, this sucks. Uh, oh my God. Fink grabs. Sometimes my notes just turn into a real flow of conscience, and that's what I wrote. I said no punctuation. Both get back up to their fing- their feet, and Fink shoves Lillian into the ropes, and she bumps for some reason. Kill me, this sucks. Uh, Fink grabs the mic and he says that it should always be like this blondes laying on their backs oh my god Um, and that comment pissed off fellow blonde women Trish Stratus and Stacey Keebler Uh, Stacey and Lillian slap Fink and then Trish clotheslines him all three women strip Fink down to his panties while referee Nick Patrick looks on in absolute disgust Uh, and the crowd's booing Lillian Garcia wins please don't ever do this again so did Howard Finkel technically win by disqualification? No, he's straight fucking rules. I don't think there was even did the bell ring. Yeah, bell rang. Uh, the bell rang. Okay. He shoved Lily into the mat super hard. In the no, table. I mean like at the end of the match. Oh, I don't, I don't fucking know. I was trying to look away from. The I only asked because I'm just like, technically there's a bunch of interference, and I don't know. Uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. I only was halfway paying attention to this shit. I'm okay. not gonna lie. Are we sure it wasn't a fever dream? <sighs> My fever dreams are more entertaining. Yeah, oh, I had I, I had a fever dream yesterday. It was actually pretty nice compared Wait, to Wait, hold this. up. You had a fever? No, I'm You kidding. got the Rona? No, I'm kidding. Okay, just check. Uh, I've got some, actually, I don't have I don't have Coronas. I have Natty Daddies. Oh, Dean, Dean said I'm going to get fucked up. I'll hit the strip club. Don't forget once. You know what I'm saying? I can't sing that. I'm about to get copyright strike. Our main event, Triple H versus Undertaker, number one contender for the undisputed title. Uh, after Triple H's entrance, we cut to commercial and we come back to a shot of the Empire State Building, and we are told that September 22nd will be WWE Unforgiven from the Staples Center. So three more episodes after this episode uh, will be Unforgiven. So everybody mark your calendars for whenever the fuck that comes out. Um, during Taker's entrance, he totally hits the barricade with his bike right in front of the super fan Sign Guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to be confused with Sign Guy Dudley, two different people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Triple H starts things off hot by jumping Undertaker on the outside as soon as he gets off his bike. Uh, punches to Taker and his head thrown into the ring post. Uh, Undertaker is thrown back first into another ring post and then he gets clotheslined over the barricade. Uh, Taker is pulled back over the barricade and thrown headfirst into, you guessed it, the barricade. Uh, punches Undertaker. Taker is thrown into the ring and Triple H follows for the match to officially begin. Triple H kicks Taker in the gut, and he immediately goes for that pedigree, uh, but Taker is able to spin out and close the line Triple H. Uh, Triple H gets thrown uh, into the corner in a back elbow by Taker, followed by some of them down soup bones. Uh, Irish whip reversed. Undertaker ducks the clothesline, hits his flying clothesline, much safer than uh, the one he hits on Test at SummerSlam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, off the ropes and a leg drop by Undertaker for a two-count. Wrist lock and shoulder tackle by Undertaker. Taker keeps the wrist lock and hits old school for a two count. Whip off the ropes and Taker goes for the back body drop, but Triple H kicks him in the shoulder. Uh, but Taker no sells it and uh, gets the goozle on Triple H. Uh, but Triple H is able to actually get out of the goozle with a poke to the eyes. Uh, whip reverse and Triple H is clotheslined in the corner. Whip to the opposite corner and snake eyes by the take the uh, Taker off the ropes, but he eats the flying knee by Triple H. Uh, Taker is thrown out of the ring Triple H follows 
Uh, and then Taker gets thrown knees first into the steps, and we get some punches to Undertaker on the outside. Uh, Triple H rolls in to break uh, the count and right back out. Uh, Taker's head thrown into the steps twice. Taker is thrown back into Triple H follows. Swinging neckbreaker by Triple H for two counts. Some more punches by Triple H. Uh, and an elbow to a downed Undertaker for a two count. Taker starts fighting back with some gut punches and an uppercut. Uh, his whip reversed in a sleeper hold by Triple H. Because if, if this match needed anything, it needed to be slowed down apparently. Oh, yeah. I was going way too fast up to this point. I couldn't take my notes, man. Yeah, it was too fast. Taker fights out with them damn suit bones. Triple H whipped off the ropes, but hits the knee face buster for a two count. And then uh, we had to slow down a bit more. Another sleeper hold to the Undertaker. Taker powers out with the back suplex. Both men are trading punches with Undertaker eventually getting the upper hand. Uh, Undertaker grabs Triple H by the hair, but Hunter gets a knee to the gut off the ropes, but Taker hits a clothesline for a two count. Head to the corner, whip to the opposite corner. Taker rushes, but uh, Triple H gets that elbow up. Uh, Taker gets his head thrown into the corner, but he's no-selling it. Uh, Taker grabs Hunter by the head and then throws him into the corner. But Earl Hebner's dumbass old ass got in the way and gets crushed by Triple H. Yep. And then Undertaker decides that he dislikes Earl Hebner as much as I do. So he just elbows Triple H in the face. Uh, while Earl is still trapped in the corner. That's what you get for screwing Brett, you fuck. So um, I actually was wondering about that. Like, did Undertaker, in, in the context of the match, obviously in reality he knew he was there, but I always wonder, like, in the context of the match, was Undertaker just supposed to not care, or did he just not know he was there? How could he not know? You know, I said the same thing about when Test interfered at uh, SummerSlam, too, so. I don't fucking know, dude. I don't care. This match sucked. Um... <laughs> Uh, turns out Taker actually might hate Earl Hebner more than me because he pulls Triple H out of the corner. No, no, right here. He pulls Triple H out of the corner and then whips him back into Earl in the corner. Oh, what? Okay, okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And then he There's big no way. Triple H. So he, he, had just, to he said, fuck Earl Hebner. Yeah. Uh, hashtag fuck Earl Hebner. Get that, don't get that trending. Oh, God. That's a bad <laughs> the power idea. to get that trending. That's yeah, we don't have the power. Uh, everyone on the Patreon. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Suddenly, this becomes our most viewed episode, and it starts trending. Hell yeah, this is the one we make it big. It's like 600,000 views. Uh, Goozle and Chokeslam to Triple H. Brock and Heyman are out. Brock gets up on the apron, but is immediately punched off, which I think happens at any time Brock gets on the apron when he tries to interfere. Mm -hmm. uh, low blow by Triple H to Undertaker. Taker is the one that punched Brock off uh, the apron after all. Triple H goes for the pedigree, but Taker gets a back body drop to get out of it. Uh, Brock gets in the ring and hits Taker with the title. Triple H crawls over and gets the three count. Brock Lesnar versus Triple H for the undisputed title for Unforgiven. What did you guys think of this match? The wasn't good, huh? Nothing. No, no. Not feeling. No, that. I, I was like bored. It. I was bored. honestly, I wasn't expecting much, but I still was bored. I don't know. Maybe I'm just wrong, and that's fine. But I felt this was more intense and aggressive than Triple H's hardcore match with The Rock or no DQ match, what have you. I thought they uh, both sucked. Yeah, I don't really think either of them were particularly good. So I'm not saying either was good. I'm just saying this one was more aggressive than the no DQ match. Maybe. Maybe because for a title opportunity, I guess. I don't know. Maybe. That's my this only just felt, thing. This was, just, this was a nothing match to me. Just a bunch of strikes, just not really like kind of slow honestly 
and not even like slow in that like technical wrestling we're going for a bunch of holds kind of way either just kind of just kind of just really boring honestly yeah it really did feel like a nothing match uh speaking of nothing match we cut backstage and stephanie mcmahon is standing by a limo uh bischoff walks up to her and says step it's time for you to get the hell out of my building bischoff says that stephanie just couldn't help herself but uh to see such a great role with the debut of wwe undisputed champion brock uh and seeing the raw superstar triple h become number one contender for that undisputed title uh brock and Heyman actually walk into frame as steph just tells bischoff to shut up uh steph says it is true it has been a very historic episode of raw as you promised at the top of the show and Triple H is number one contender, but for what? And that confuses Bischoff as he's like, well, uh, obviously WWE Undisputed Champions on both shows. Uh, and Steph says, well, it's actually the champion's choice which show he wants to be on. And Stephanie paid Brock extra to only be on SmackDown. So Raw no longer has a world title. Uh, Stephanie then asks Bischoff how her peaches taste, which is a callback from like three weeks ago. Yeah. That's the end of the show. So on one hand, I know why they're setting this up. I know I understand and I understand where they're going, but there is kind of that part of me that's like, so wait, like it's the champion's prerogative. You'd think that Eric would have known that or, yeah, or even so I'm just like, it seems like a weird, it just feels like a random rule change just to, just to justify the story going forward. But it, I don't know. It always, it just, once again, I get where they're going, and I understand why they did it. It just seemed kind of weird. Yeah. Well, what a what a way to end raw just awkward yeah. silence. I feel that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. It was. It, it, we'll have a better show to talk about in a sec. So that's true. Uh, so that's the end of Raw. Let's move on to SmackDown. And we're back, SmackDown, August 29th, 2002. Uh, they keep saying it's from the Mohegan Sun Arena. I had to look up, like, apparently there's multiple Mohegan Suns. Uh, it's in Uncasville, Connecticut. I've never heard of that town. Me neither. Um, also, if you guys were curious, uh, we did a little bit of research. Uh, the less expensive pregnancy tests are still as good as the expensive ones, if you were wondering. Uh, the show starts with a video package on Brock Lesnar winning the title at SummerSlam. Uh, it's not much of a video package, so we're not going to talk much about it. Uh, Stephanie McMahon makes her entrance, and she welcomes us to SmackDown, the home of the WWE Undisputed Champion Brock Lesnar. Steph says, you know, it's just too bad that, that number one contender match Bischoff made for Raw didn't mean anything since Brock Lesnar is now exclusive to SmackDown. Uh, Stephanie says that since Triple H versus Taker didn't mean anything, we still don't know who Brock's next opponent will be for the title. Uh, Steph says it definitely isn't Triple H since he's from Raw. Y'all hear that dog barking? Yeah. God damn it. Come on. That's the guy that lives across the way. We're keeping this in. Okay. Got me fucked up. Is it Boss Man's dog? It's, uh, it's about the same size. <laughs> Is it done? I think it's I, done. Yeah. Yeah. The big yow. Okay. Uh, had to throw that in there. You're gonna, you have to. Um, 
She says, since it's definitely not Triple H from Raw, we're going to find out who the number one contender is tonight. Uh, Steph says that she told everyone in the back to be ready to have her words, not mine, a single elimination series of matches, and the winner will, the winner of the final match will be Brock's next opponent. And now I know that things are going to kind of change, uh, but this is what I typed at the time, and I'm, I'm going to keep it that way. I'm just going to go with the notes as I have them, how my opinions changed over the show. Uh, I, I said that's a lot of words to just say number one contender tournament. And I thought it really lended credence to the rumor that Vince McMahon hates tournaments in the word tournament. Like when they mm. did the tag team eliminator yeah. the night after Mania 34. Uh, and Stephanie says that the series of matches will start now. And Edge makes his entrance in that SummerSlam gear. Uh, the white and gold really like that still. Uh, Stephanie announces that Edge's opponent will be well, his opponent from a few days earlier, Edge taking on Eddie Guerrero, rematch from SummerSlam, match one of the Elimination Series. Michael Cole is going out of his way to not use the word tournament, which kept throwing me off. He keeps saying a series of elimination matches, or he even said a series of survival matches, which is actually just Survivor Series, dumbass. Things start off hot as Eddie charges Edge into a strong lockup. Two arm drags by Edge, and he goes for the winning Edge, but Eddie spins out into a back suplex, stomp to a downed edge, forearms to the face and elbows to the back of Edge's head. Eddie goes for a vertical suplex, but Edge floats over, pushes Eddie off the ropes, and hits a flapjack. Eddie misses a clothesline and gets hit with the winning edge for a two count. Uh, after trying to jump Edge like literally one minute ago, uh, Eddie screams. He's demanding a handshake. Uh, edge grabs Eddie's hand and just clotheslines him. Eddie hugs the ref's legs and uses the ref to spin around Edge and start kicking Edge in the leg. Uh, forearms to Edge, head in the corner, kicks in the leg and the gut of Edge in the corner. Nice European uppercut by Eddie Guerrero. Head in the corner again and a whip to the opposite corner is reversed, but Eddie gets the elbow up. Vertical suplex that was pretty much a brain buster by Eddie for a two count. Uh, Fujiwara armbar is locked in on Edge. Uh, Eddie is targeting the shoulder of Edge just like he did less than a week ago at SummerSlam. Uh, Eddie just lets go of the hole and starts punching Edge in the face. Uh, Edge starts coming back with some punches, but Eddie drop kicks Edge in the knee. Uh, Eddie goes for a vertical suplex, but Edge reverses and suplexes Eddie over the top rope to the outside of the ring. Uh, diving crossbody from the top rope to the outside by Edge. At least Eddie caught him this time. Um Eddie thrown back in and Edge follows. Edge starts climbing up to the top rope, but Eddie punches him and he starts climbing up as well. We get a nice superplex by Eddie Guerrero for a two count. Uh, punches and elbows to Edge, whip off the ropes, and a pop up sends Eddie just crashing to the mat. Power bomb by Edge. Both men are down at this point. Uh, they obviously eventually get back up. Eddie goes for a punch, but is blocked and Edge gets his own. Whip off the ropes and a back body drop by Edge. Two clotheslines by Edge. Edge ducks a clothesline attempt by Eddie and hits the Edge-O-Matic for a two count. Back suplex attempt by Edge, but Eddie flips and lands on his feet. Eddie misses a clothesline, gets hit uh, with a back suplex anyway. Edge starts climbing the top rope, and he hits a missile drop kick. Um, I wish more people did the missile drop kick. That's a good Can't think of a lot of dudes that do it now. Um, huh. Because here's the thing. Daniel Bryan does it, but he does the one where he bumps on his back. Yeah, I want the true. one where you bump on your tummy. Yeah, like it's kind of like more of a rotation to it. 
Yeah, uh, Zack Ryder slash Matt Cardona, he does it like Edge did it here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can't really think of anyone else that does it like that. Not right now, anyway. No one's coming into mind in particular. Yeah. Uh, By the way, while we're uh, doing a quick segue, I want to say, I forgot to mention this. Uh, there's a sign in the crowd that said Molito Heat. Oh, yeah. They, they, yeah, they cut to that at one point during Eddie's entrance. Molito Heat. Um, oh, I just thought about this last night because I was listening to Jericho's podcast. He was doing one with Conrad Thompson. Where they were kind of breaking down the first uh, years of Jericho's WWE career. And they mentioned how Latino Heat, that nickname started when um, Eddie was like, you know, dating China on screen. Is it kind of like a play on like when animals are in heat, like to have sex, Latino oh. heat? Is that what that is? It's not. I never got that impression, honestly. Yeah, I just thought it was like Eddie's hot. I guess. Like, like he's hot shit is kind of. What yeah, I like I kind of just thought heat just kind of meant like, yeah, he's a he's a badass. He's a cool dude. He gets all the ladies. But do you I think that's what it's supposed to be? What I said. No. I don't think so. That's not the impression I ever got. I mean, I if it know. is. If it is, then okay, but I never got that impression. Fair enough. Uh, Whip to the corner and a running shoulder check to Eddie Guerrero, uh, which is essentially the spear, and I hate that Edge is, like, he just kind of does the spear as a regular move. Like, yeah. not when he not when he straight does it, but the, like, shoulder check in the corner is essentially just a spear. I don't like that. That bothers me. Yeah, because actually the crowd popped notably for when he did that. And, and then like, he never pinned off of it or anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Edge goes for the execution, but Eddie goes over the top rope, lands on the apron, pulls Edge down throat first on the rope. I thought it was a really cool spot. I've never seen that. It was really nice. It was awesome. Uh, Eddie grabs two chairs, and he props one up against the ring apron, and he slides the other one in the ring. And when he slides that other one into the ring, Edge grabs the chair in the ring, and Eddie's on his knees doing the classic, and he's begging not to be hit with it. Uh, Edge reels back to crack Eddie over the head, but referee Jimmy Corderas... Uh, grabs the chair from Edge while the ref is handing the chair to Tony Chimmel, which I don't know why he had to hand the chair to Tony Chimmel. I don't know why he didn't just slide it out of the ring. Uh, Edge goes for a spear, but Eddie uses that second chair that was against the apron to block his stomach, causing Edge to hit shoulder and head uh, first on the metal of the chair, similar to um, when Bret Hart had the metal plate under the hockey jersey and Goldberg yeah, speared yeah. him and it uh, knocked out Goldberg. Classic uh, moment. Mattel is making a two-pack of that moment that comes with the metal plate to put around Brett, and I need that, just saying. Uh, my birthday's coming up, so if anyone wants to buy that for me... Donate uh, to the Patreon. Yeah, uh, $50 Patreon tier. That's our lowest tier. Um, Guerrero climbs up top after this and hits a frog splash for the three count. Uh, Eddie grabs Edge by the throat while he's on the ground. He's still just trash-talking and boots him in the face, which was just a nice little character touch. What did you guys think of this match? I actually think this was better than our SummerSlam match. I said the same thing. Yeah, it is. This exactly. was. They gelled better. I think Edge's performance was a lot better. I think this. It had a better pace. I just think, in almost every way, I think this was better than their SummerSlam match. Yeah, because their SummerSlam match was a little lackluster, at least for me. This was like go go go, like you said, better pace, better flow, better action, better everything. And I, I think Edge just kind of stepped up his game for this one. Yeah, I I think I, I said yeah, I, I agree. I liked it more than their SummerSlam match, which I already liked their SummerSlam match, but I even though I did say I expected a little bit more, I expected it to be more fast paced. Mm-hmm. Um 
but granted that match was more about telling a like a story of Edge's shoulder and this one was more like we both want that title so it's a bit more aggressive in that sense true true uh and it was quicker because it's a tv match uh against pay-per-view i feel like this match was about maybe eight ten minutes uh and they, yeah. just, they just killed it the whole time yeah um we cut to commercial and stephanie mcmahon is backstage matt hardy yells for her and he ferociously grabs her and asks if she can hear it it being how much the crowd loves matt hardy matt asks if he's the next person uh in this in this elimination series to take on latino heat in the chase for the title and Steph says, well, Matt, it's not you, but it's rather the big quiche dog, Rikishi. Um, and Damon and I talked about this because we were confused. Like, why the fuck are they just not calling it a tournament? It's Damon. Damon's the one that was able to break it down. It's essentially a gauntlet segmented throughout the entire show and yeah. not one long lasting match. I found that super a, convoluted. I find that a very weird way to do this. Right, like, I even said, like, just let them do a like, gauntlet for a majority of the show. That would have been better. Yeah, because honestly, when they when she said Rikishi was next, I was like, oh, well, maybe that'll be next week. And then suddenly Rikishi's having a match with Eddie, and I'm like, wait, oh, so we're doing this entire thing in one, in one show. I'm surprised that we're having the breaks in between. Well, right. I mean, she did say we're going to figure out who the number one contender is tonight. Yeah, that is fair. That is fair. But, like, yeah, I thought it was just a super convoluted convoluted way to do it but it does explain why they weren't calling it a tournament because this is not a tournament it's more of a gauntlet uh yeah i guess maybe they didn't do gauntlet matches back then because they're not calling it a gauntlet either i can't really think when the first gauntlet match was yeah i couldn't tell you either i feel like it's after this you know i can't think Mm. of one that predates this really um and matt says okay that's fine uh i'll just face the winner of rikishi versus guerrero (laughs) And Steph says, we'll see. And she walks away while Matt is stretching for the match he thinks he's going to have. Um, after this, our next matchup, John Cena taking on Reverend Devon. Uh, almost a Devon Dudley. But, I mean, I don't, they didn't call him Reverend Devon Dudley, so he's just Reverend Devon. Uh, we get a recap, a ruthless recap, if you will, of Batista busting the spine of Devon on last week's SmackDown. Uh, Devon starts things off hot. Uh, and I realized I typed that a lot of someone starts things off hot, but if everyone starts things off hot, then nothing gets started off hot. Fair. Fair. Uh, but he he does this by throwing a jacket near Cena's face, but it doesn't really hit Cena on the face, but I guess it distracted him enough to allow Devon to get in some punches. Uh, Cena comes back and gets his own punches in. Whip off the ropes, and Cena gets a hip toss, drop kick, and a bulldog in rapid succession. Cena goes for a cover, but he just awkwardly gets up and allows Devon to walk to the corner for the next spot. Was that yeah. the botched cover you were talking about, Nene? No, it's a little bit later. Is it in this match? It is in this match. Yeah, because yeah, well, yeah. Uh, Cena rushes, uh, but Devon sidesteps and hits a neck breaker. Uh, Devon strikes a down Cena multiple times, head to the corner, and a punch by Devon. He goes for another, but Cena blocks and uh, starts firing back with some of his own punches. And Devon gets a thumb in Cena's eye. Headlock and a punch to the jaw by Devon. Vertical suplex and a running elbow for a two count. Uh, Cena starts coming back with punches, elbows, and a gut kick. Uh, Whip reversed and Devon hits a spinning power slam for a two count. Uh, And another two count. And then uh, he hits a jawbreaker. A club to Cena's back. Cena punches Devon in the gut. uh, And Devon with another club to the back. Devon goes for a body slam. 
Uh, but Devon or uh, Cena, I guess you could say, floats over. He really kind of just. Yeah, kind of, sort of. And he hits a fisherman neckbreaker, aka Elias's drift away. Uh, both men down at this point. Two clotheslines and two flying forearms for a two count by John to Cena. Uh, terrible looking atomic drop by John Cena. Uh, and Devon hits the corkscrew elbow. Devon climbs up top and goes for the diving headbutt, but Cena moves, causing Devon to hit head first onto the mat. Oh, and I guess I typed it here. Cena with a terrible roll-up pin for a two. I don't remember what the roll-up looked like though. It was like it was like the the pin where like the person's like sideways from you, and you like flip over them and then like roll oh, into Lama- like that's kind of like the Lamahi straw. Yeah, and the thing is, like, not only was it super awkward, but also Devon didn't kick out in time. Oh well, cool. Like it was awesome. like one, two, then the yeah. kick out. <laughs> Um, Devon rushed into the corner and Cena goes for the 10, but 10 punch spot, but only gets four when Devon hits his own atomic drop, uh, kick to the back of the knee and Devon hits the saving grace for the three count. I said, it's a saving grace. This match is over, but <laughs> I, I, I will say I didn't have very high, any expectations at all for this match it was on paper. John Cena versus Devon Dudley does not sound like a good match. If I'm perfectly yeah. honest, but at the same time, even for what the match did well, like, I'm not going to lie, that roll-up really took me out of the match, even though it wasn't even that great beforehand. Yeah, this match was fucking all over the place and completely terrible. Now, also, um, holy shit, Devon actually won a match. Yeah. Okay, that's... so I'm not going to talk about the entire story here. Uh, we're going to segment it for when it's a bit more appropriate. Mm-hmm. But I will say that it's been talked about before from John Cena that believe it or not, at this point, he was on the chopping block. He was very close to getting cut uh, and released by the WWE. I had a feeling that's what you were going to say. Cause like um, losing to Devon is a really bad sign. <laughs> yeah. That is not a good sign. Also. I mean, you look in this match, he's still very awkward in the ring. He's still very green. He's only mm-hmm. been wrestling for about two years. So I understand. Yeah. Uh, but yes, he was on the chopping block. And uh, luckily, in a, a little less than two months' time, he finds something a little extra that uh, helps him keep his job and become the mega fucking star he is today. Indeed, indeed. Ain't it weird to think, though? Like, let's say he never found that special something, and then he does get released. Where the fuck would John Cena be now? Where the fuck would John Cena be? Where, what would WWE be like without fucking Super Cena? For what the would past? Hollywood be like now? He's all over the fucking Hollywood. That's what I'm saying. It would like, change what? entertainment all in all, which is fucking crazy. What's John Cena doing in the Impact Zone? What's the prototype doing in the Impact Zone? Why the hell are we doing a JR voice for the Impact Zone? No, no. I mean, we gotta do Mike Tanay or Don. JR is like, JR is like the quintessential wrestling voice, and like, that's I don't know. True. Like, I guess like, I didn't think about that, but that's a good point. Um, after this, Batista's in the ring, and he clotheslines Devon, followed by, I believe, the first time in Ruthless Recap we have seen a Batista bomb. Yes, yes. Um, and then his original theme plays. Is that theme top ten? His original one. It's kind of like a slower instrumental version of I Walk Alone, kinda. I'd need to listen to it in isolation because it really didn't leave much of an impression on me. It's a pretty good song. I I don't know if it's top 10, though. Do you like it more than his his, uh, later one? Oh, hell no. 
Oh, okay. I Walk I Alone say, okay. is top three. Okay, okay. When we get to the other song that's in the top three, I'll disclose it, but that's going to okay. be a while. Okay. Um, we cut to commercial and we get Rey Mysterio's entire fucking Titantron to hype up that he has a match next. And I've officially decided that Mysterio had to have had matches on Velocity because there was definitely the Velocity set with the green in some of those clips. Okay. So how about that for follow-up fucking seven episodes later? Continuity, um, man. And our next matchup, like I just said, Rey Mysterio taking on Rico. Uh, Rico is out with Billy and Chuck, obviously. Uh, lock up. Mysterio goes behind. Then Rico goes behind. Full Nelson by uh, Rico. Mysterio spun around and kicked in the gut. Rico goes for a body slam, but Mysterio lands on his feet, ducks a clothesline, and off the ropes, but Billy uh, sweeps uh, near Ray's feet, which distracts him. Uh, Rico charges, but gets back body dropped over the top rope, and Billy and Chuck move. They, they said, we ain't catching Rico. Fuck that. <laughs> um, Billy and Chuck check on Rico, and they throw him back into the ring. Uh, as Rico was thrown back in, Ray uses Rico as a stepping stool and does a uh, sloppy tope con hilo onto Billy and Chuck. I, I did think it was a neat spot on all, but it did look a little sloppy. It did, but uh, in a weird way, I feel like the sloppiness actually made it look like it was more impactful, funny enough. That's fair enough. Uh, Still Ray, sloppy, but yeah. 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 Uh, Ray back in the ring, and while the ref is on the outside of the ring telling Billy and Chuck to leave, uh, Ray is distracted by that and is punched by Rico. Back suplex and a heads of the corner by Rico. Rico goes for the back body drop, but Ray kicks him. Ray off the ropes and pops up onto Rico's shoulders and spins that into a hurricane rana. Uh, whip reversed and Rico goes for a tilt world backbreaker, but Ray lands on his feet. That's always a cool spot. Oh, yes. Uh, Ray ducks a clothesline and Rico kicks him in the back and then hits a fucking emerald flosion. Yo. What? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody who doesn't know what that is, look that up as well. Masawa's finish? Are you kidding me? I actually have to say, Rico actually impressed me in this match. Oh, dude, we'll get to that because yeah. holy shit, he started pulling out some crazy shit. Um, I said very surprising to see Rico do a goddamn Emerald Flosion on an episode of SmackDown. Yeah. Uh, Rico doesn't even go for the cover on that. Uh, stomps and heads to the corner and punches by Rico afterward. Whip to the opposite corner and Mysterio hits hard. Vertical suplex and another. And then a Falcon Arrow. He did the deal. And I said, since when was Rico doing all Japan moves? That's uh, like, dude, it's just, I, I was just caught off guard by what Rico was doing throughout this entire match. Yeah. Uh, that, that Falcon Arrow does get a two count. Choke to a downed Rey Mysterio. Punches to a downed Rey Mysterio. Rey's trying to fight back, but Rico hits the TNA kick and the arm trapped back kick. Whip off the ropes, Ray ducks a clothesline, and Rico hits a great-looking pop-up power slam. What the fuck? Why is Rico good all of a sudden? Yeah, like, legit. It's like, what the hell, Rico? Where's this been this whole time? He, yeah, you really pulled out the fucking stops for this match. Good for him. Uh, Rico goes up top for a moonsault, uh, but Ray moves out of the way, causing Rico to just splat on the mat. Basement dropkick by Ray Mysterio. Whip reverse, but Ray kicks Rico in the gut and hits the wheelbarrow bulldog for a two-count. Whipped to the corner reverse, but Ray up and over and gets a head scissor on Rico that sends him shoulder first into the ring post. Ray on the apron springboards off one of the top ropes to split leg off the other top rope for a moonsault. That was awesome. I think it's called oh, a yeah. triangle moonsault type of gimmick. Yeah, like a triangle, a triangle. 
Ain't yeah. the, wait, isn't the triangle moonsault what Ibushi does, though? Uh, Where he runs from one corner to the other, hops over the turnbuckle, up to the uh, second, and then moonsaults to the outside. Ain't that the triangle moonsault? I feel like that one might be more than a, just a triangle moonsault. We'll I could be wrong. We'll golden but... triangle moonsault. I don't know. Okay. Can uh, we petition to change that moonsault into the BME? What, what Ray did? Yeah. 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 Best moonsault ever, bitch. We Christopher Daniels it. hasn't been doing much for me um, lately. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't really wrestle that much these days, does he? I mean, he wrestles, but not like all no, the... it's, mo- it's mostly Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in, in Daniel's defense, he is like what, like 57 now? Uh, he's not 57. He's like 50. I thought he was 50 when he won the ROH title. That wasn't I'm, seven okay. years ago. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I'm going to look this up while you guys are talking. Uh, that got a two count, that cool moon soul. Uh, we get a replay of that. In the smaller screen, uh, Ray is whipped to the corner, up and over, and he goes for a head scissors. But Rico uses the momentum to get a backbreaker, which looked nice. Rico goes for a crescent kick. Ray ducks it, drop kicks Rico into the ropes. 619 and the West Coast pop for the win. Dean, what do you find him? Okay. He, oh, damn, you're right. Okay, he's only 50. Never mind. I, I know I, my I, wrestler's ages. I severely overestimated his age. Okay. Um, what do you guys think of this match? Holy shit, Rico. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, I already figured I was going to enjoy the match, but I didn't think it was going to be this good. Dude, I said surprisingly good match. Did not know Rico could perform like that. Yeah, I didn't know either. And like, who was he showing off for? This wasn't a pay-per-view. This was after a pay-per-view on a Dude, random I SmackDown. Part of me wonders, like, who who have we seen him faceless for? Kishi for two minutes. Cena. Yeah. John Cena, which is still very green at this point. Yeah. I think out of everyone we've seen Rico face at this point, this is the most well-oiled machine type of wrestler for him to go against. Yeah. And I think also like... Because he can't do any of those moves that he was doing. The Emerald Flosion, the Falcon Arrow, the Power Slam. He can't do that shit to Rikishi. And Rikishi would be the second best wrestler he's fought at this moment. Yeah. And John Cena... I, I'm not to not to badmouth them entirely, but like there are certain bumps at this point that I really wouldn't be comfortable seeing John Cena take given how green he is still. God, dude, there were certain things I didn't want Cena to do up until like fucking 2015. Um, yeah, fair enough there. He really didn't really hit his full stride until he was like in his 40s. <laughs> Real talk, 20, like 2013, uh, granted he had that great match with Punk at Money in the Bank. Yeah. And he, he he's had his great matches. But it wasn't until like 2014, after he'd been in the business for 14 years, where he was like consistently putting out great matches. I feel yeah. like, yeah, um, which is honestly him... kind of absurd. Which is honestly, when you think about how long he was on top, like longer than most people get to be on top. Yeah, um, not, not that I don't think he ever really had. When he was on top, I'm not sure he ever really had any outright terrible matches. But they were like, yeah. okay. I mean, because he still had good. He still had that really good match with Umaga. He actually yeah. had a pretty good rivalry oh. with Edge. Oh. With Edge, HBK. Yeah, yeah. But like, I feel like it took up until around 2013. He was like consistently every week having a good match. Let me ask you guys a question though: Was John yeah. Cena's feud with Randy Orton ever good? No. No. Okay. Nice I just want to make sure it wasn't just me because I was like, maybe I'm letting the fact that it got overplayed taint it. But I'm like. I really can't think of a single time Randy Orton and John Cena had a notably good match against each other. No. Except for like Wrestle a WrestleMania, but Triple H was in the match too. 
I did like it when good? Randy Orton punted the fuck out of Cena's dad. Oh, yeah. Good. Twice. Remember when Randy Orton made out with Stephanie while Triple H that, was handcuffed? That's a completely different feud. I know, but it's just the thing Randy Orton did. You just want to talk? Okay, you just want to talk about the sexual harassment Randy Orton performed on live television on the Go Home to Mania. Yeah, cancel Randy Orton. Cancel <laughs> Randy Orton, bro. Cancel Bubba Ray while you're at it. Yeah. Uh, backstage with Stephanie McMahon and Bob Core Holly, Hardcore Holly. What's he doing here? Uh, he said he deserves to be in that number one contender series. He says this, there's no one tougher than me. There's no one meaner than me. Not even Mr. Macarena, Eddie Guerrero. Is that racist? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Well, he is from Alabama. He literally had a move called the fucking Holocaust. <laughs> Remember he called, for- fa- he called yeah. his fucking arrow the Holocaust. Yeah, I keep forgetting about that. I keep blocking it out of my mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he also says he'll take on that, quote, blubber butt Rikishi. That was a great line here. Hardcore always say blubber butt. Uh, Don Marie exits Stephanie's office right behind them and says that that important call Stephanie was waiting on is finally ready. Steph excuses herself uh, from Bob Core and leaves. Bob then yells at Don Marie and he's like, no phone call is more important than me. No phone call. And he walks away. I, was like, oh, I do. Shit, I, okay. I will say I appreciate that he's starting to heal it up a little more now. Yeah, he said, how do you like me now? Just because, I don't know. I've said this on other episodes, but Faith Hardcore Holly is just so unbelievable. He's such a prick. Yeah. He's such an asshole. Even when he's a face, he just you just look at him and you're like, this dude's just a dick. Yeah, Dean, have you seen his terrible tribal tat he has now? Because I had to show Damon. He hadn't seen it. No, I haven't seen it. Oh, my look God, up, okay. hey, I'm look looking up, just, up. Yeah, he's had that tat for like six or seven years now. And if I saw which, it before, I blocked that out because it's which gone means awful. he got a tribal tat in fucking 2013. Yeah, let's see here. Oh, hardcore Holly's two tattoos and their meanings. He's got two tattoos. Yeah, hang on. Let's see here. Uh oh. Uh oh. It looks like he had he used to have one that like was the spark plug thing. Or wait, Ew, hang on. Look at a spark plug <laughs> Thurman. Oh wait, maybe plug. hang on. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Oh okay. Whoa, that tribal tattoo! What the hell? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, it's a le- he. The other one's a leg tattoo. Okay, so it wasn't spark plug. I'm sorry. They were just referencing the fact that he once was spark plug. Uh, <laughs> okay, there's another tattoo on the outer side of his lower left leg that has not been seen much. It cool. doesn't say it, it. It doesn't say what it actually is though, and this is a really bad quality image, so I can't really tell what it is. My point is, did you see his cringy tribal tattoo that he yes. got at fucking fifty? Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, we get the video uh, from Raw with everyone at Wall Street. Nothing else to say there. Uh, cuts to Stephanie in her office. Uh, mm-hmm. What? I typed in hardcore Holly leg tattoo to get a better yeah. image of it. And I found uh, the images that came up were not things that I was trying to see. And none of them were of hardcore Holly. I'll just say that. Hardcore Holly leg. I'm going to have to look that up later. Don't, I, don't, uh... I can't even imagine what you got. <laughs> Okay, I... Yeah. No, 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 let's not talk about it. Okay. Let's move yeah. on. Um, but Stephanie, uh, on the phone in her office, looking looking very beautiful. Uh, uh, just say, just throwing it out there. Um, she says that she saw how awfully uh, the person she's on the phone with was treated on Raw. And she promises that uh, nothing like that would ever happen on her SmackDown. Uh, Stephanie says that Don Marie can deliver the papers right now as the hotel's connected to the arena. Uh, we hear a knock at the door, 
as Stephanie asks whoever on the phone, like, oh, how's your sweet? She's being real chummy with him. Uh, and the person knocking on the door is Matt Hardy. And he still wants to know if he's facing the winner of Guerrero versus Rikishi. <laughs> he's being very persistent on that. He said, he's like, Steph, I need to face Brock Lesnar. And Steph is very annoying. She's like, can you get the hell out? You know, she's like pointing, like, get the fuck out of here. Uh, and Matt is waiting for Steph to finish up this conversation. But he felt like it was taking too long. So he hung up the phone for her. Oh, man. And Steph is furious. She gets up. She's like, you son of a bitch. Um, and Matt's trying to explain, like, this is a very serious question. This is about my life. This is about Matt Hardy. And, <laughs> and Steph says, you know what? That's true. It is about your life. And if you want Brock so bad, you get a non-title match against him tonight. And Matt is actually super pumped about it. He's like, yes, I get Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Matt Hardy's a fucking nut, dude. I love him, though. He's great. Uh, cut to Mark Lloyd interviewing the quiche dog. Uh, Lloyd says that Matt may get a non-title match against Brock tonight, uh, but Kishi gets to face Guerrero tonight, uh, then needs to win the Elimination Series to face Brock for the title at Unforgiven. Kishi says it's good that he's in this situation because after Brock F5'd him a few weeks ago, uh, Kishi has unfinished business with Brock Lesnar. Kishi says he'll pin Brock 1-2-3 to give him a piece of the quiche. Uh, we hear like some chatter off camera and it's Eddie Guerrero. He he walks in, he's laughing. He's like, a piece of the quiche. You're funny, Holmes. Uh, is that, was that impression racist? No, I don't think so. I think, so. I, I think here, here's the thing. My impression was so bad right there that I don't think it, it could even be racist. In fairness, that is the way he talks though. So was it? I don't know. I think I fucked up. I anyway. mean, I mean, I mean, not even the accuracy of your impression. I'm more, I mean, like, it's not like he, like he kind of leans into the stereotype honestly he really does yeah uh eddie wants to know why quiche thinks he'll be facing brock uh then he realized it's probably because quiche's diaper is too tight and it's cutting off circulation to his brain got him oh. uh eddie tells quiche to pull his head out of his ass and not to disrespect latino heat uh, eddie reminds quiche that he's not facing brock tonight but he's taking on latino heat quiche then asks how do you say in spanish back that ass up and Eddie Guerrero does not like that mm. uh, which this leads to our next match Eddie Guerrero versus Rikishi match two of the elimination series and I uh, Eddie Guerrero starts in the ring and I said holy back me Batman Eddie is covered uh, yeah yeah good lord this guy it's and not I've a good said it before sign. this is not his final form yeah he gets way fucking bigger by the time he passes yeah Still got to go like Super Saiyan grade three. Oh, yeah. Dude, he turns into a monkey. God damn it. I love that. That's my favorite type. I'm not even lying. Um, lock up. Eddie is shoved off. Lock up in a headlock by Eddie Guerrero. Off the ropes in a shoulder tackle by Rikishi. Eddie goes for a punch, but Kishi blocks it and gets his own punch in. Whipped to the corner in a clothesline in said corner by Kishi. Uh, Eddie is now in position for the stink face. And as Kishi is in position to deliver the stinky, uh, Eddie slides through Kishi's leg. Legs, uh, actually, not just one leg. Uh, Eddie goes for a punch, but is blocked, and Kishi gets his own in. Kishi goes for a body slam, but Eddie floats over and drop kicks Rikishi in the knee. Stomps to Rikishi's knee. Pescado into double axe handle to Kishi's knee on the apron. I've never seen that. Yeah, I didn't even know how to write that, but that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Guerrero was so fucking innovative. It's insane. Yeah. Um, both men on the outside now kick to Rikishi's knee and Eddie rams that knee into the steps 
uh, Rikishi thrown back in and Eddie follows. You get some like inverted ankle type submission uh, that like Eddie legit seems to be having trouble keeping the hold on. Yeah. And his it, hands kept slipping off. I don't yeah, know why. It, it came across as kind of awkward because I was like, wait, what's he trying to do? Because it didn't look like he was really getting anything definitive against him. Yeah. Uh, Kishi eventually shoves Eddie off. We had a stomp to the knee and a two count for Eddie Guerrero. More kicks to that injured knee if you couldn't tell the story of the match. Uh, punches in the corner and a choke by Eddie. More stomps to the knee. Kishi starts coming back with some punches, a whip off the ropes, and Eddie goes for a sunset flip. But Kishi doesn't fall, slaps the cheeks, and sits out, and Eddie barely got out of the way. Like, legit, if Eddie moved a half second later, he would have gotten his head fucking crushed. Yeah. Like, he would have been stuck inside Rikishi. Didn't that happen to Nathan Jones? Did it? Or somebody? No, 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 no. It was one of the Bashams. I know oh, okay. About. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that clip. Yeah, no, he got... Well, I think Kishi was supposed to sit on his chest, but Kishi like went a little too far forward and just mm-hmm. sat right on his face. And immediately he grabs his fucking head and like, oh, around. that looked that looked rough. Yeah, dude, Yokozuna used to crush motherfuckers with that bonsai because he was an mm-hmm. asshole to jobbers. And also, I mean, I also hate to say this, but also he probably didn't have that much control over his own weight just because he was just so big. Yeah, like there's a way to do it. Wait, who are you talking about? Yoko. No, 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 no. That's that's the thing. You watch him do the bonsai to like Hogan and Brett and top guys. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'd let a fucking baby take that bump. He was so nice with the top guys. But uh-huh. with the jobbers, he destroyed them. Oh, yeah. That's fair. He was That's just a dick. Um, uh, two count for Eddie Guerrero. Heel hook by Eddie uh, in another knee-based submission I do not know the name of. Uh, two chops by Kishi, and he's able to get out uh, of that submission. Another kick to Kishi's legs. Uh, and punches in the corner by Eddie. Eddie goes for a stinger splash, but Kishi gets out of the way and starts coming back with some punches, a whip off the ropes and a punch. Spinebuster by Kishi. Slaps up them cheeks and reverse hoe train in the corner by Rikishi. Uh, whip to the opposite corner, and Eddie ducks a clothesline, but eats a savat kick for the surprising three count. Rikishi wins. Yeah, I actually have to say, don't get me wrong, once we learn who Rikishi's opponent ends up being, I understand why Rikishi won this match, but I have to say when Rikishi won, I actually was kind of disappointed. I was disappointed and very surprised, not only that he won, but like he won with the Sabat kick. He didn't do yeah. like the bonsai or anything. Yeah, because didn't didn't he beat Rico with the Sabat kick? I think I, I think uh, there was one other there was one there was one other person during our time doing these shows that he beat with Sabat kick. I think it was Rico. I could be wrong though. That doesn't mean a Savat kick should be a finish, though, you know? Well, it can be, but, like, you got to pick between that and the bonsai because he's definitely won matches with the bonsai drop. Yeah, and I think it also doesn't help that, like, whether he wins with it kind of really seems kind of random. Yeah. Uh, Benoit rushes the ring and starts kicking Rikishi in the knee. Back suplex by Benoit, and now both Benoit and Eddie are stomping a downed quiche dog. Uh, Eddie goes up top and hits the frog splash to the back of Rikishi. Crippler crossface on the quiche while Eddie is stomping him down. Uh, Edge rushes the ring and attacks Eddie. Uh, Benoit lets go of the crossface and gets clothesline out of the ring by Edge. Edge goes to grab Eddie, but Eddie slides out of the ring just in time. Babyface is actually helping each other. That's true. Uh, after this... Oh, Damon, you saying something? I just said about time. Right. Uh, after this, we get the same fucking video about how WWE works everyone to the bones and how awesome and cool the 
sweet that is. Mm-hmm. Um, backstage, we see Chris Benoit walking. Uh, Stephanie calls him over and says that after what Benoit just did, it's obvious that he's more mad about losing the IC title at SummerSlam than Steph is, uh, which is kind of a burn real talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steph says if Benoit really wants to get that anger out, then Benoit can uh, face Kishi later tonight in the Elimination Series. Uh, so all Matt Hardy and Hardcore Holly had to do was jump someone. <laughs> yep. I didn't even think about do. that. I'm still convinced that Stephanie's kind of got a thing for Chris Benoit right now. Dude, every time they have a segment, they get like real nose to nose. Yeah. And she's like trying to amp him up and then he gets all aggressive. It's crazy. It seems like there's a bit of a bit of favoritism being played here. Man, she likes her Canadians. Mm-hmm. Her Canadians named Chris. Uh, next matchup, Tajiri taking on Shannon Moore. Uh, Tajiri is out with Jamie Noble and Nidia. Jamie has Nidia uh, show off in front of Michael Cole, and then Jamie high-fives him <laughs> for it. I don't know why. Which was like the most reluctant high-five I've ever seen. Oh, Cole did not want that high-five. He's still terrified when Nidia forced herself on him. He had some hand sanitizer under the under the desk there. God, these days you need it. Um, yeah. Shannon Moore out with the hurricane. Oh my! This was one of the worst theme songs I've ever heard. Bottom ten theme right here. My God! Did you hear this theme, Dean? <laughs> yes, I did. It was so fucking bad. It was like I don't even know how to describe it. I blocked it on my memory for the most part. Oh God! That needs to be like we need to we need to make that our new intro. Yeah. I'll fucking quit this podcast. So goddamn <laughs> quick, your heads will spin. Uh, Replay of Shannon Moore rolling up the Cruiserweight champion, Jamie Noble, last week. Uh, both men go to lock up, but Tajiri kicks Moore in the gut. Wrist lock and an elbow to the arm by Tajiri. Hammer lock and Moore reverses it with a pop-up snap mare. Japanese arm drag by um, Shannon Moore to the Japanese buzzsaw. Uh, wrist lock by Moore, whip to the corner, reverse, and Moore does an up and over into a back handspring. Uh, arm drag and a spinning heel kick by Shannon Moore for a two count. Uh, Irish whip reversed more ducks a clothesline, but Tajiri hits a cool tilt to whirl stun gun. I've never seen that. Um, it was more, nice. It was nice. Yeah. Uh, more about falls out of the ring, taking that bump on the ropes. Uh, clothesline by Tajiri and stomps. Snap Marini kicked to the back. Uh, chin lock to Shannon Moore. Moore is trying to power out with some punches, but Tajiri just clubs him in the back. Tajiri goes for body slam, but Moore floats over. Uh, Moore goes for an O'Connor roll, but Tajiri holds on to the ropes and then hits a disgusting-looking savat kick. He, that's a guy that can use the savat kick as a finish. Yeah, true, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, Shannon Moore put in a like reverse tree of Joey Lawrence. Um, we get two stomps to Shannon Moore's head and a basement drop kick to the back of Moore's head in a two count. Two punches to Shannon Moore, a kick to Shannon Moore's shoulder. Uh, Snapman a chin lock by Tajiri, a barrage of punches by Tajiri for a two count. And then he locks in the million dollar dream, or uh, you could call it the Cobra Clutch. Uh, I thought that was interesting. So, you know, I never would have thought Tajiri would do that. Yeah, I didn't quite see that coming, but you know, hey, I guess just a rest hold to an extent. Uh, Moore gets to the ropes, and Tajiri just chokes him on the ropes. Uh, stomp and slaps to Shana Moore. A two count when Moore gets his foot on the ropes. A body slam and a knee drop by Tajiri for a two count. Chin lock by Tajiri. Uh, Shannon Moore starts to power out with elbows, punches, and chops. Uh, whip reversed. Moore slides through Tajiri's legs. Go behind by Moore, then a go behind by Tajiri. Tajiri goes for like a reverse suplex, but Shannon Moore is able to land on his feet. 
Moore ducks a clothesline off the ropes and a stiff back elbow uh, by Shannon Moore. Off the ropes again and a swinging neck breaker by Shannon Moore for a two count. I just want to say, like, this is probably Shannon Moore's best match so far. Like, in my honesty. Yeah, it's his first singles match we've seen. Yeah, I just, and I hate to be that guy, but I really wasn't expecting him to be performing this well on his own. Really? I, I really wasn't. He'd been wrestling for a while at this point. I know, but I just, I guess, like, in my head, I kind of always saw Shannon Moore as just kind of okay. That's fair. But yeah, I get, but, yeah. but may, I, maybe that's a perception that will change as we continue this show. Uh, Tajiri whipped to the corner. Moore gets up and over onto the apron and slams Tajiri's head into the mat. Moore up top in a diving hurricane rana, even though Tajiri, they kind of botched it. Tajiri essentially just fucking power bombed him out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he still takes the flip bump anyway. Uh, two count, and Tajiri kicks out, even though his feet were in the ropes. Yeah, uh, I noticed that too. That was kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, gut kick by Tajiri. Irish whip reverse, and Tajiri goes for the handspring back elbow, but Moore catches him. Moore goes for a back suplex, but Tajiri lands on his feet and hits a gross bridging German suplex. Oh, yeah. He folded him like a fucking pancake with that thing. Uh, that gets only a two count. A body slam attempt, and Moore floats over onto Tajiri's shoulders. Uh, Moore gets down, and Tajiri goes behind. Moore elbows his way out. Tajiri grabs onto the ref for the distraction while Noble swipes Moore's feet out from under him. Noble taunts to the crowd while Hurricane, uh, obviously a superhero, flies into frame with a clothesline on Noble. And Taz starts talking about how he should take the cape off. Yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah, he's like, throw a better punch, take the cape off. Oh, yeah, that's right. His punches were looking weird because he kept getting his cape caught in his fist. Yeah. Um, yeah, he flies into frame with that clothesline on Noble. Hurricane and Noble are now fighting on the outside, and Tajiri baseball slides Hurricane. Uh, Tajiri misses a head kick on Moore. Moore leapfrogs over Tajiri. Tajiri goes for a German, but Moore rolls him up for the win. What did you guys think of this match? I actually thought it was a really solid match. Really fast-paced. Uh, I was impressed by Shannon Moore. Uh, this, it was pretty good. Yeah, definitely a great showing for Shannon Moore. I'm, I agreed with Dean earlier when he said he didn't expect much. He was just okay, but great showing. Believe it or not, as much as I've been loving all the cruiserweight stuff i thought it was fine um i don't know it's something something just did not click for me the same way a lot of these other cruiserweight matches happen i don't know what it is Mm. i think part of it was like i just watched this last night and i was like you know i want to get these notes done with so we can get to the podcast you know i think it's just because you're mad that nidia didn't get involved maybe maybe if there's more (laughs) nidia and jamie noble i would have liked it more i didn't hate it it was fine you know if we were doing like star ratings, it'd get like a two and a half out of five, two, three quarter, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we don't do that because we're not marks. Uh, just kidding. Uh, but we are smart. Well, maybe. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> uh, our next contest Rikishi taking on Crispin while match three of the elimination series. Things like every other fucking match start off hot as Benoit rushes Kishi, but Kishi gets some punches in on Benoit. A whip reverse and a back elbow by Chris Benoit. Stomps to Rikishi in the corner. Uh, Benoit strikes Kishi's arm to wear it down for the cross face. Moore stomps to Kishi's arm. And I said, shouldn't he target the leg like Benoit or like Eddie did all match? Yeah, that would that make more the, sense? That would make the match even shorter, though. I guess. Yeah, uh, a very short match we had, we got here. Yeah. Uh, punches by Rikishi and a Samoan drop. The Samoan drop actually hurt Rikishi's arm. 
Uh, Benoit locks in the cripple across face, and Kishi's eyes look like he just smoked about four joints in the back. <laughs> Do you notice how red with, his eyes were? He was hanging out with Godfather. Uh, but no, did you see that, Dean? How red his eyes were? Yeah, I did. I did. I was like, it actually added to the visual, though. I'll say that much. I guess, dude. I thought he, you know, it's like when Paul Heyman came out crying at One Night Stand 2005. He's like, I'm not crying. I just was smoking a joint in the back with Van Dam. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Kishi eventually grabs the ropes to my dismay as I did not want to watch another Rikishi match. Uh, elbow to Kishi's arm, and Kishi's now in the center of the ring in the crossface once again, and Rikishi taps, thank God. Yeah, yeah. That's it. I, I mean, there's really I, not I, much I, to say I, about this match. I, I like Krikishi enough, but I think there is a point where it's like you should only have him go so far. Like he's yeah, and and I admit, like even if Rikishi was like a top tier wrestler, like top top tier, it's still kind of the fact of the matter is like he's not, and I unfortunately don't think he'd be as over without this gimmick. But the only way you could push him to a world title picture would be if you took away the gimmick. Yeah, you can't have some dude having his ass hanging out like that. Like as your top, as your top guy, like it just it wouldn't work. Yeah, which is a shame because they could have really done that with the whole bad man thing, but they didn't. So yeah, just Mm -hmm. put him in a fucking pair of tights. Yeah, and it would have worked a bit better. Um, cut to commercial, and we see Kurt Angle in the locker room. Uh, and interviewer interviewer Mark Lloyd is there, and he asks if Kurt is nervous that his name has not been mentioned for this elimination series yet. And Kurt says, you know what? I'm actually going to start this interview uh, by apologizing to Snow White and the other six dwarves for beating their hero, Rey Mysterio, at SummerSlam. That was a great line. Uh, Kurt, we love you, man. Uh, Kurt says that after that match, he's sure that'll be the last time that uh, Rey Mysterio ever meddles in his affairs. You see what he did there? Uh, Mark Lloyd says that, well, Rey almost beat you multiple times in that match, and Kurt didn't like that, so he just told Mark to shut up. Uh, Kurt says, speaking of the Elimination Series, that he just heard from Stephanie that uh, she left the best for last as Angle will face Benoit in the main event for the number one contendership. Uh, Kurt said, okay, I don't fucking know what happened here. Kurt says, I think he was saying Benoit once harbored his gold medals in the confines of his genitalia. What? I... Was he talking about Brock? Because he said he's talking about Brock and then he kind of juxtaposed to Benoit and it got a little confusing. I, look, I, mm, I, I Was there don't a know, point man. where Benoit took the medals and rubbed them on his dick? I'm lost. Maybe it's like a locker room thing. Like it happened off screen, which I why dude. would you? Seems like a weird thing know. to bring up, but mm, I don't know. I, I was lost on that. Uh, Kurt says that after he beats Benoit, he'll get his hands on Brock. And Brock may be the youngest champ, but he's not the best. It's true. Oh, it's damn true. After this, SmackDown number one announcer, Funaki. He's outside of Brock, uh, Brock Lesnar's locker room, hoping to interview him. Uh, Paul Heyman walks out of the room, and Funaki latches on to him. Uh, Funaki says he's trying to get an interview with Brock Lesnar. And Heyman keeps asking Funaki if he really wants that interview. He's like, uh, you really want that interview while Brock Lesnar's getting ready for a match? Uh, when he's getting ready to display that aggression, you really want to distract Brock Lesnar. Uh, and Heyman grabs Funaki's hand. He's like, go ahead, go ahead. Let's just knock on Brock Lesnar's door and piss him off. And Funaki's like trying to pull his hand back. He's like, no, 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 it's okay. I th- he said, I think it's time for me to go on a break. He's like, not, maybe not now. <laughs> and in comes Matt Hardy. Matt had a lot of segments tonight. 
He did. Uh, Matt says that tonight will mark a new era in the WWE. Not the era of Brock Lesnar, but the era of Matt Hardy. Matt says it will no longer be the era of WWE attitude. Wait, are we not supposed to be reviewing this? <laughs> He's claiming this is still the attitude era, which it definitely is not. It definitely is not. The attitude era, now granted, there's not any like official timeline of when eras end. Really? Not really. Nerdy ass fans like us deciding that. To me, Attitude Era ends WrestleMania 17. Yeah, the that's second the general Austin, con- when Austin shakes Vince's hand. Yeah, that's that's, yeah I can see that. Now, the only question is does that necessarily mean the Ruthless Aggression Era started then, or are we just kind of no. in a gray area at that point? Uh, I've seen other people say this, and I, I agree with it. From like the night after Mania 17 to right around when we started doing it is like mm-hmm. the invasion era. It's a weird gray area of transition. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Um, I guess, you know, I, I guess in my head, I like, I don't know. And I guess a lot of people, maybe a lot of people does, but like the, the invasion's always that weird gap in my head where I never yes. really ever think about it. Same. Cause it wasn't very good. Yeah. Um, it's also, it's kind of the same way that like 1997 was the weird transition period from the new generation era to the attitude era. Yeah. That's when yeah. guys like Austin start coming in. We start seeing DX and more of the edgy stuff. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like that. Um, but Finocchi says, I think it's time. Oh, no, no. I already got there. Uh, we were talking about WWE attitude. Matt's saying we're not allowed to do this. Um, Matt says, rather, it will be WWE Mattitude, which I believe that's the first time we hear him say Mattitude. Pretty sure, yeah. Uh, Matt walks away and Heyman tells Funaki, you know what? I learn something new every day. I just learned that Matt Hardy has a death wish. I thought Matt could never die. He's stronger than death. That's true. Not stronger than a steel chair, though. Whoa, yeah. Okay. I just wanted to throw that in there. I listened to that song the other day. Just throwing it in there. It's a good song. Too bad no, you didn't get not. to use it. Too no, too it's, oh, no. come on. I can slap a tornado. I listened to the full version. It's oh absolute God. dog shit. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of shit that doesn't even make sense compared to the bullshit you hear. Look, the point is is that Matt Hardy in the song stole the powers of the hurricane. And there I'm going to slap a tornado. (laughs) See? There you go. Next matchup. It all makes sense now. Brock Lesnar taking on Matt Hardy. This is Brock's first match since winning the Undisputed title from The Rock at SummerSlam. Uh, Matt poses in the corner, and Brock just knocks him off the rope into the outside of the ring in the match. Officially starts on the outside for some reason. It's a little dirty. Uh, Brock is stomping Matt. Brock picks Matt up and rushes him back first into the ring post. Uh, Matt thrown back into the ring and Brock follows. Matt is rushed into the corner. Shoulder checks into the corner. Uh, Brock backs up and goes for another one, but Matt gets the knee up. Uh, Punches by Matt Hardy. Brock shoves him into the corner again. Brock rushes Matt. Uh, but Matt gets the elbow up and a crazy-looking STO by Brock. Oh, my God. I marked out so hard for that. I yeah, love a good STO. Rough. Yeah. Uh, clothesline by Brock and a choke and another clothesline with wrist control. Matt ducks the third clothesline and gets a schoolboy for a two count. Matt ducks another clothesline and gets some punches in. Uh, then is hit with a scary-looking belly-to-belly. Oh, uh, Yeah. Matt was very close to just necking himself on that. Yeah, he barely got the rotation in that one. Yeah. Uh, Whipped to the corner and a big spinning power slam by Brock. Uh, Dismissive boots to Matt's head. Brock's just toying with him. Brock goes to clothesline Matt out of the ring, but Matt low bridges and Brock crashes to the outside. 
Matt up top and dodged to the outside, and Brock, quote unquote, catches him, even though there was a very awkward cut. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I don't think he caught him. Yeah. Uh, Brock goes to rush Matt headfirst into the post, but Matt floats out of it and shoves Brock into the post. Both men in the ring, and Matt basement drop kicks Brock's head into the turnbuckle. Matt goes for the twist of fate, but Brock reverses and hits the F5 for the win. It's a fucking hell of an F5, by the way. Ooh, he like Matt it. like Matt Hardy is like the first person so far that like took the F5 the exact way you're supposed to. Pretty much. <laughs> um, I, I'll see if you guys picked up on this. Maybe I'm I'm probably reading too much into it, like I do with everything in my fucking life. Anxiety's a hellhole. Um, Matt starts to get up using the ropes. And he's like doing the V1 hand sign. Mm-hmm. And Brock literally said, hold my belt. And he just destroyed Matt with two power bombs. Were, were they trying to kind of. Um, fuck, what's the word I'm looking for? Was it supposed to be very similar to how Jeff defiantly got up after Taker whipped his ass? But except like when Taker raised Jeff's hand, <laughs> Matt just got the brake speed off him some more. Was that supposed I... to be what they were going for? You know, maybe, but that's not at all what I was thinking. Yeah, I okay. guess I could see that, but I see it more as uh, Brock Lesnar is just a tough son of a bitch who will beat your ass if he wants to. Oh, yeah. Uh, cut backstage, and Stephanie is nervously pacing in her office. Uh, Dom Marie happily comes in with a SmackDown contract in hand, and it's been signed. Steph says, you know what that means? That the number one contender match between Benoit and Angle is now a triple threat. Uh, Stephanie tells Dom Marie to get Bischoff on the phone so she can hear his reaction when one of his former superstars show up on SmackDown tonight. Um, in our main event, it's the fourth and final match of the Elimination Series, a triple threat. Chris Benoit versus Kurt Angle versus a mystery opponent. Uh, obviously, Kurt Angle comes out loud, you suck, Chance. Uh, Stephanie then comes out to introduce the newest signee to SmackDown, and it's The Undertaker. Uh, he gets a chance to redeem the dirty way he lost his number one contender match to Triple H on Raw. Uh, Angle and Benoit start off the match hot by just rushing Taker into that corner. Punches and kicks by Angle, respectively. They keep beating his ass in the corner for about 30 seconds. Welcome to SmackDown, boy. Uh, the welcoming Taker... committee. Oh, fuck off, dude. <laughs> yeah. Talking about that <laughs> shitty women's stable that lasted for like three weeks. It was amazing, man. Dude, didn't have Tamina God in it? I think so. Hell yeah, bro. I'm not gonna lie. I, I, all I remember is like, it was just like, all was the it, women were like, "Fuck Charlotte." Wasn't Lana in the group too? Probably, dude. <laughs> my my dude, favorite Lana's was doing a fucking Gen Z gimmick with Natalia, even though they're both like 35. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all remember the submission sorority? That was a thing for like one week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Real talk. That's a cool name until they realized uh, some other companies used it. Yeah. 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 Fuck, that's top. There's something they, else I was about to say. Didn't they change it to PCB? And isn't that like a slang term for some type of drug or something? No. PC, uh, you're thinking PCP. No, I thought, I, I wasn't thinking of that, but I thought it was a slang term for some other type of drug. Maybe I'm, I, I don't know what I'm thinking then. It's something circuit board as well. Something. <laughs> they couldn't yeah. think of a good name, apparently. No. Uh, Taker whipped by both men into the opposite corner. Benoit rushes, but eats a big boot. Clothesline to angle. Benoit thrown in the corner and back elbow by Taker. Uh, Kurt whipped to the opposite corner and a clothesline to angle and Benoit in the corners. Angle whipped off the ropes by Taker and a big back body drop onto angle. 
sidewalk slam to Benoit. Uh, Taker goes for the big boot uh, to big boot Angle out of the ring, but Angle low bridges the rope and Taker uh, crotches himself and he just screams, ah! like it was super loud. I was like, oh, we listened God. to that like five times last night. Oh yeah, we kept replaying that one. Uh, Kurt grabs Taker's leg while he's stuck on the rope and he starts kicking him in the thigh, while Ben uh, Benoit is punching Take Dog. Uh, Benoit gets Taker in the corner and then both heels are stomping Taker's legs while it's draped over the rope. Uh, stomps by Benoit and a choke by Angle. Double back suplex and double clothesline to the outside of the ring on Taker. Swift double leg takedown by Angle on Benoit and he goes for the Angle lock but uh, Benoit is able to get out. Uh, Angle with two German suplexes. Benoit elbows out and he hits two German suplexes. Angle elbows out. German suplex. Benoit elbows out and he goes for another German but Angle rolls through and picks the ankle for the angle lock. Uh, Benoit immediately gets to the ropes, which doesn't matter because it's a triple threat. Yeah. But Angle lets go anyway uh, and just stomps Benoit. Clubs to Benoit's back. Whip to the corner is reversed, and Benoit hits a German that Kurt bumps for by doing a fucking backflip, which was great. Yeah. Uh, two count when Taker breaks it up. Uh, Benoit's head to the corner and a back elbow by The Undertaker. Whip to the opposite corner and Snake Eyes, followed by a big boot by Undertaker. Angle punched off the apron in a two count on Benoit for the Undertaker. Uh, Taker goes for the last ride on Benoit, but Angle chop blocks Taker, causing both Taker and Benoit to crash to the mat. I actually really like that spot. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, Angle back to the outside and he gets a chair. Referee Brian Hebner tries to stop him, and Cole says Angle better not get disqualified. Triple threat. It's one, it's a triple threat, and I was like, is it supposed to be elimination? It's not, so I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. Um, while Angle is talking to referee Brian Hebner, uh, Benoit gets his own chair and hits Taker right in the head with it. Uh, Benoit knocks Angle off the apron and gets a two count on Taker when Angle pulls Benoit out of the ring. Two count for Angle on Taker. Nice belly to belly to Benoit as he rushes Angle in the ring. Uh, Angle thrown out of the ring by Taker. German suplex by Benoit to Taker. He goes for another, but Taker elbows out. Goozle in a choke slam by The Undertaker to Benoit. Two count uh, for Taker when Angle locks in that Angle lock. Taker rolls out of the, out of the submission. Uh, Angle's clothesline out of the ring, and Taker gets caught in the Crippler crossface. And while in the crossface, uh, Angle puts the Angle lock on Taker. He's got two finished submissions on him. Angle eventually lets go and goes for the angle slam on Benoit, but Benoit floats over and the cross face is locked in uh, and angle rolls through and gets the angle lock in. Benoit gets to the ropes and angle pulls him off the ropes to keep that hold in. Benoit kicks angle off and into uh, a taker old school boy for a close two count angle ducks the clothesline and hits the angle slam on taker straps are down. Uh, Angle rushes Benoit, and Benoit hits a very sloppy belly-to-belly to to get Kurt to the outside of the ring. Last ride to Benoit for the win. Undertaker takes on Brock Lesnar at Unforgiven for the Undisputed title, and that's the end of SmackDown. Yep. Uh, What do you guys think of this match, honestly? And what did you think about Undertaker being added to it? Okay, first of all, Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit, certified banger. True. Yeah. Then you add Take Dog to the mix. Yeah. It's it, like, I feel like at some point it takes away from it, but I feel like they played to everybody's strengths. That's like, fair. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't mind Taker being added. 
Okay. I didn't mind either. There's a part of me that's kind of like, oh, I was kind of looking forward to Chris Benoit versus Kurt Angle, but I was okay with it. That's true. Um, thought the match was fine. I didn't, eh, I don't know. It was fine. Yeah, it was fine. I just, I hate to be that guy again, but I just think it would have been a better match if Undertaker wasn't put in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, guys. So favorite segment between both shows. Uh, okay, I'll go first. My favorite segment was definitely when Matt Hardy was being an asshole and hung up the phone. That's good. Yeah, I like that segment. See, so I can't. So I actually can't answer Kurt Angle this week. Um, yeah, Kurt's segment wasn't really much. Of yeah. Um, yeah. Matt Hardy's this the phone segment with Matt Hardy's what's sticking out the most in my head. You know, I'm not gonna lie. Is, is was there anything on Raw that really stood out that much? The Un-Americans Kane. Oh shit! Yeah. Mm. Right, I, I, I thought about that. Yeah. Mm. Ooh, I think I gotta go with the Un-Americans. I gotta go with the Un-Americans. Fuck, I'm trying to think. Um, Matt Hardy's the only one that compares. That's the thing. Yeah, I'm trying to look back if there's anything else on Raw because there wasn't much on SmackDown. Um, I think I'm. I'm also gonna have to go with Kane, and the Un-Americans. Yeah. Granted, I did. I did like all the Matt Hardy bullshit, and the Bob yeah. Holly one was so random, kind of cracked me up. Uh, favorite match between both shows. I'm gonna go. All right. So like, I loved Rico and Ray, but I have to give it to the hardcore match on Raw. Who uh man oh shit uh no well i did i i did actually really like edge and eddie guerrero that's yeah. fair that was good too i i would say it's edge and eddie guerrero is probably my number one and then i would probably say the hardcore match and rico and ray probably come after it i respect that one. um I really liked Ray and Rico. It was surprising how good it was. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, nobody thought Rico was going to do half the shit he did. I think I'm going to have to go Edge and Eddie with the hardcore match and Ray and Rico being very close seconds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We actually got some good matches this week. Yeah, thank God. Sometimes we fucking don't. Yeah. Um, well, that is the end of this episode of Ruthless Recap. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube, Ruthless Recap. Follow on Spotify, Ruthless Recap. Our Instagram, at Ruthless Recap. Um, next time, it will be yet another review of an episode of Raw and SmackDown. Um, I would say next week, but I don't know uh, because things are getting a little crazy. I get, Let's get into that real quick. I'm going back to uh, college my second year. And Damon uh, is going back to work. And I'm uh, going to be on set for something on the weekends. That's all I can say. Yeah, and he's doing uh, a little side thing. Um, so a lot of times getting taken up. Dean's the only one here that uh, is being a good boy, actually holding down the Ford Ruthless Recap. Yep. Uh, Just because I have no life and I'm a loser. Dean, Dean, Jesus Christ. That, <laughs> we're not doing that. We're not doing that. This man sounds like Wario right about now. Um. But yeah, we'll we'll get these episodes out as often as possible. But for right now, 
things probably aren't going to be weekly, uh, just how busy everyone kind of is right now with, with the world kind of opening up when it shouldn't. Um, yeah, which, I mean, I've heard I actually... Our, I can't really do much about it, you know? Yeah, so. and actually our area, actually I heard that like the cases are going down, but we're really? still getting new... We're still getting... Well, it was like, the new cases are going down. So technically speaking, we're still going up. It's just that like, we're not going up quite as quickly. Eloquently put. Uh, so uh, I'm Trent and for Damon. Good night, everybody. And Dean. Good night. We'll see you next time.